it's just like Luther was saying when he was talking about how Christians neither hate nor trust other people. What he was getting at there is that there is a different kind of love. It's a love that drives out fear, and so the world cannot know it. And only Christians know this, and it's the reason why Christians are some of the forefront people right now saying, what's going on in the world? Because fear, well, you're there's a there will be, coming out in the next year or so, a third attempt to make a movie out of a phenomenal book called Dune. Dune, have you heard of it? Where is it? Right there, Dune. Good book. You should read it. You really should. It's not for everybody. I know. But if you manage to get through it, you'll know why. It, it, it is for everybody. It's one of the most amazing books ever written in terms of fiction and in terms of pioneering anyway. There's, there's going to be a third attempt to make this thing into a movie. Uh, they did it as a movie, I think, in the 80s. Maybe it was the 70s even. Uh, they did it as a miniseries. Maybe there's been another try I haven't heard about. But you know what? I don't really care. <laughs> I don't really care because I just I care less and less about what Hollywood's going to do with anything at the moment. I just I just don't want to pay them anymore. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of the noise, and so I don't want to give them my money. So it's sad to me. I wish Dune had been made better before, maybe part of the Marvel timeline. Then I could go and watch it and feel feel comfortable with it. But in any case, hey, it doesn't matter. The point is, out of this book is a couple of really kind of kind of key cult pop phrases that may be making their way into culture in the next year or two, and I hope they. Do one of them is uh, it's just it's just glorious. It's fear is the mind killer. Fear is the mind killer. It's, it's out of Dune, and it, it shouldn't be. It should be in the Bible. It is in the Bible, but it's not. It's not like that. It's the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, which is a it's, it's a different tract. But it gets you to the understanding that the fear of man and the fear of death indeed does stall you out like a deer in the headlights. Insofar as your ability to think clearly, you become an animal. At that point, you become one who, who acts based on emotion rather than upon what logos, understanding, word, uh, truth, relationship even, right? Uh, and so fear tends to turn off almost everything. I was asking myself this morning, John, what are you afraid of, man? Why? Because I do think that a lot of my own depression, and I do battle depression. That's just a reality. I've talked about other places. My depression, I think, is tied to fear. I don't think I'm a depressed person. I think I'm an afraid person. And because I'm so afraid, I'm depressed. I think I'm depressing myself to try to not be afraid. Does that make sense? It makes sense to me. In any case, there's so little to be afraid of. Now, granted, granted, if you're not a Christian, that's not true. Okay, so if if you're watching at this point and you think I'm just talking about back in the blue, well, no, I'm not just talking about that. Although back in the blue is a good thing. Uh, you want to have your city, the polis in Greek, taken care of by some men of the city, the police. Uh, you want police. You want good ones, not bad ones. And if you need to fix that, that's an issue. But but you don't want no men of the city. That's bad. Although, interestingly enough, there are Marxist organizations that parade as fronts for anti-racism that do claim that we should get rid of the men of the city that is there against fatherhood. You can check it out on their website. I won't even mention their name, but I know you know they are. That's, what are you afraid of? What are they afraid of? Death. You know, it's not none of my business. <laughs> I uh, I remember in, in seminary, we had to give like these, like, uh, I don't know what you call them, trial sermons. You know, so, so you do all this work and you write it and you're supposed to memorize it, which is not a bad thing, better than just writing it and reading it every week. Uh, but but uh, you had to do all that and then you had to be recorded and then you had to give it in front of your classmates and all this stuff. 
It was a great experience. In terms of, in terms of practical theology, if there is such a thing, th- that was it. He was like, okay, here, guys, stumble, right? You figure it out. Uh, th- that was good. I just remember one of the comments I got from one of my, my, my brothers. And I have not, I've not seen this guy since graduation. I'm sure he's still out there. I hope he's still a pastor. It's amazing how many guys <laughs> flail out. I, we're, we're nearing on, I think, 50% from my class is like no longer uh, you know, incoming. I'm including incoming numbers. Um, I, you know, never has made it. But, but in any case, I mean, what he, I, the, the sermon was on, I don't know, Jesus raised somebody from the dead. So I think the sermon was on like, like death and resurrection and how we shouldn't be afraid of death effectively. And um, I don't even remember what it said. It might've been a terrible sermon, but I remember what he said in response was, I've never been afraid of death. And I just looked at him like, I don't know, like, and he wasn't, I don't know, maybe it was his Christianity speaking, but it sounded like, like I got the impression that he said, like, that's not really law. <laughs> That's not really a lot of people that you're going to die. And I just, I just think I disagree now. You know, after, after how many years of, of working on this thing in my own head, I'm going to say, no, no, I'm, I'm pretty sure almost everything we're doing is trying to avoid pain or death. Like, like most of your actions throughout the day, no matter what you tell yourself about them, they are trying to avoid pain or death. You are living in a survival mechanism. And, and as a fallen creature, that really makes a lot of sense. I, I got no problem with this as a Christian. I think it has complete substance in the Bible. Actually, the Bible would teach you this just with different language. It uses wisdom language rather than kind of the, the more practical language that I was just using there, right? But again, the thing is, we are, as a species then, you know, terrified of of a butterfly, if the butterfly might kill us, you know, it, we really are. And now what we're, what we're finding, and thankfully the questions are dying down a little bit because I know we're all just so tired of being scared for no reason because you can't live in fight or flight forever. You just can't do it, which is why you should think about how much stress you put in your body re- regularly. But again, we're seeing the whole civilization demonstrate the weakness of godlessness, okay? The, the, the weakness of godlessness. The only microcultures that have come through this American situation in the last couple of months stronger are cultures of worship, straight up, like cultures that believe there is a God or gods. And now I'm not going to advocate for false gods. I think there are false gods. I think there's a true God. But I'm also going to say that natural law is a thing, right? So when, when the first commandment is worship the Lord your God— him only shall you serve. Now, you can break that by worshiping a tree, but worshiping a tree is better than saying there is nothing. I'm a monkey. I'm going to do whatever the, I feel like doing, right? The, the, the tree worship was great. You loved your neighbor then a little bit, right? It was still built into the order in some way. It was misguided. It certainly it leads to human sacrifice at a certain point in certain places in history. So I'm not saying it's all good, right? <laughs> uh, but there are levels of false religion. And it is interesting that the monotheistic religions, particularly seem to be, if nothing else, unifying through all this. Why? Because it's a strength to have God be on your side. When, when you believe it, even if you're wrong, it's a strength. That's the, uh, that's the 50-50 thing there, right? If God is real, if God's not real, why believe in him? You might as well take it because the benefits that way, the, the negatives. Well, that's actually true, I think. If you're going to be like a, a betting man, if you're going to roll some dice on, is life in this universe better believing in God, even if he's not true, than not believing in God? I'm going to go out and say, yeah, there ain't even a question. Take that gambit. This ain't roulette. This is, that's, like a, that's like a free ride. I'll tell you why. It's because you can believe you can't die then. And that's a pretty awesome way to live. Now, I'm not telling you this creates faith. What I'm saying here, I don't think this will create faith. I think believing Jesus is risen from the dead does create faith. But I am suggesting that monotheism has some things to advocate it as a potent what? Um, 
unifier for cultures, civilizations, and whatnot. Monotheism, just in general by itself. Believing in God, g- gods, I don't care, just in general by itself. Like, like stopping this materialistic nonsense that's out there. And then, and then for, for us Christians, though, the real point here is for us Christians— we have this entirely different, like, higher level of things on this. I'm sorry, it's not really about me. It's about Jesus. He's, he is, in fact, <laughs> he's on a higher level. It's called the ascension. So what happened was after he rose from the dead, which demonstrated his higher level from the beginning, he ascended to the right hand of God the Father, making him then, like, literally the highest leveled human ever, and saying, by the way, guys, it's all free. It's all in me. Just don't reject it when you get told that the water makes it happen and that the food is, like, good for you and that I'm coming back soon. Like, remember that stuff. I'm a real guy. I'm a real man. I'm a real God. I'm coming back soon. I saved you at the cross. Like, like, how hard is that to mess up? I mean, there's a lot of other stuff the Bible says. There really is a lot of other stuff the Bible says. <laughs> there's so much good stuff there. But, but how hard is it to mess up that part, right? And yet that seems to be the very thing that, that at a mystical level, Christianity has forgotten in America, across the board. Okay, America, the West, the West, the whole West. A mystical level, we've forgotten. Because we're afraid. That's how you know. Why are we afraid of death? I'm not saying don't assess your risk and the risk of your neighbor. I'm suggesting that we should ponder the phrase fear is the mind killer carefully as we decide after the last few months of whatever that was and how much more is going to go on until November. Well, maybe if I was thinking with my religion when this started, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have reacted the same way. And maybe, maybe that's what I should get ready for. You hear me? I think you do. Hey, this is, uh, I haven't even said hello yet, right? This is the Mad Christian Saturday Morning Chill. I am Rufus, the Mad Christian, and we're going to be back in just a minute. All right, we're going to hop right into some comments and concerns, questions, all that stuff from you, including lost super chats. I always appreciate super chats. They are a nice thing. I am a bivocational pastor. That means better than a third of my income comes from what I do on the internet so that I can be what? On the internet, in the world, in Rockford. Doesn't matter to me. Life and work, it's all the same thing. It's about preaching Christ. That's just what I do. So in any case, Super Chats help with that. It, it, it stirs the pool of everything else, including the new podcast that just got bumped out this, well, mm into production this week. It should be out Thursday on my podcast channel, the same one that has kind of waffled a little bit in figuring out its direction. And I think I know what it is now. I already know this is coming, but just to see it as that place to find this. So we had, and ah, if you don't know what I'm talking about, then you're like, why is he rambling? And if you do, you're like, yeah, where is it? (laughs) Right. Um, It's really cool. It's really cool to me that I have uh, told like three people about a new podcast. Not quite. I told you guys here too. But then like a bunch of people are asking the other guy who's on the podcast when it's coming out because they're excited for it. And and that's why I'm excited about the podcast myself. It's not because I have a new podcast. It's because I have a podcast with Reverend Dr. Adam Kuntz, uh, who has to be has to be one of the sharpest uh, wedding stone minds, uh, whetstone minds uh, of of uh, what. I'm going to see in my generation, and he's a generation below me, I think. It doesn't mean he's right on everything. I, I look forward to disagreeing with Adam. That's why it's going to be so fun to have this podcast be what you get to listen to. Uh, but what he is, he is he doesn't, there's nothing he doesn't know. The guy's a true polymath, like on every level. I want to be a polymath. I kind of am. Like, I'm, I'm this deep on like everything. <laughs> he's like this deep on like everything. 
<laughs> so uh, the new podcast, A Brief History of Power with Two White Guys, should be releasing. And if you're already subscribed to my podcast, it's just going to show up there. If you don't want to listen to us, you're going to have to unsubscribe because it is going to kind of be the main thing there. But my sermons and everything will still continue. I just didn't get recorded this past week. That was a blah, blah, blah. In any case, and all that stuff will still be there. Bonus content will still be there. Um, I think Stop the White Noise will end up starting a new channel. Um uh, just to make sure it's clean, I think. Uh, there's a lot of history on the other Poppy channel. If you don't care, that's good. You don't need to. Um, long story short, you want to check out that podcast when you give me Super Chats. It helps stir the pool that makes things like this podcast happen. This is something that we're doing intentionally. And if you listen, we're not coming at me like, well, we're two Christians doing history. We're like, we're two white guys talking about power. <laughs> Uh, we happen to be Christians, and we happen to believe in a certain view of history, but what we want to do is look at the past and how it's really not about race. It, it's about, well, the human race, right? Uh, but the history of that. So digging into things like uh, the Revolutionary War, digging into things like uh, the revolt at Munster in, in what we would now call Germany, uh, looking in, talking to, about, about like Babel and how Babel connects to this, but also digging into uh, what? How does the Spanish Civil War connect to this? How does the French Revolution connect to this? What can we learn from these things? Uh, so the goal is not to just have this be a, one more Christian thing we're doing. Um, and if, but this shows obviously, right? The goal of this is not only to impact the world with what Christians can see clearly that will help them, right? That alone, loving our neighbor. But then with that, to create a bridge. So while we will never intentionally be talking about, you know, oh, this shows about the dogma of the two natures of Christ, like, I'm not going to pretend not to be a Christian. He's not going to pretend not to be a Christian. We're going to have Christianity be part of it. And of course, we're tied to other things, right? With links below. So you think of this then as when you super chat this show, you're supporting that podcast, which is outreach into the world of what? The dark intellectual dark web if there's anybody who can handle being in the intellectual dark web it's coons let's push him out there that's what the show is it's so exciting to be a network it's so exciting to be a network what else are we we're a network you us the chill uh, you make this happen. So here's what you say. Desert Rose says this. Nutrans here. Thank you so much for all of the work you do for the church. Your content has greatly helped our family learn about the faith. God bless you and you're welcome. Uh, Ryan Lehrman says, thank you. Another good episode of Enriching Topics and Conversation While Worth the Money. Uh, appreciate it, Ryan. And I, I continue to pray for your family uh, with that move. I hope it continues to go well where you're at. Uh, the Jedi Knight Anakin Cringewalker again comes back and he says, here is a sci-fi idea. A virus randomizes everyone's melanin. Ooh. How do you think identitarians would react? Okay. Ah, you're going to make me go off now, Jedi Knight. And it's not, it, no one's going to be happy except maybe you. <laughs> That's okay. That's what you get. You get the whole package, right? You got to be who you are. You do you. I'll do me. And I will preach Christ by the end of it. Okay. So, what, what, <laughs> so um, if you want to imagine like sci-fi, because this is the this is my problem. Actually, I, I, I've had to reckon with this as a human, like this coronavirus. <laughs> I'm a storyteller. I, I, I've always wanted to write stories since I was a little kid, and. What that means is my imagination is a, a bit hyperactive, which means that I'm really good at imagine, imagining worst-case scenarios. I can do it efficiently, swiftly, and with a lot of logic behind what I'm saying. And by the time I get to it, your only solution is to decide that I, I that it's impossible, it's crazy, right? But but I can imagine it. <laughs> so so uh, where'd my phone go? I have it far away charging right now. But like just this is just kind of a fun one. So if I was an alien species. Okay, like super sentient, smart alien species, the ones that we've seen, actually, according to NASA and all this, that they've flown with and all that. They got the spaceship. Okay, whatever. Like, let's just imagine that that exists. Sure. Why? No problem. Uh, uh, I mean, as a Christian, it really doesn't bother me. Let's leave that for another time. I can explain why, but it shouldn't bother you. The Lord made creation. Who knows what's out there? Jesus is still the Redeemer. It doesn't change anything. It doesn't change anything. He's still risen from the dead. So let's say they show up. 
and they're here, and but they're really smart, and they're they're kind of like the Federation, where they uh, they totally how do I say this? Uh, they totally don't want to let you know they're there ever. Because, not because they don't want to impact you, but because they do want to impact you. Because they're not like the Federation. They don't have a prime directive that says, oh, we're only going to be nice and never do anything except we'll let them die by volcanoes, but never do anything to like, change the course of evolutionary history. That would be wrong, right? They don't do that. They're like, oh, Nietzsche was right, you guys. Yeah, it is will to power. And by the way, we're supercharged and you're weakling, so welcome to slavery, right? Like, that's their goal. But they also are physically weak. They're terribly weak species. Maybe even like ethereal-esque. Like, they got to walk around in some sort of other contraption to help them move. There was maybe a TV show like this. That was a good show, if I recall. In any case, there's so many things that are interesting about that scenario right there, just that, from where'd your phone come from and why are you putting your face so close to it all the time, to... Um, to what happens if there is a war against the alien species and we really are still trying to use birth control? Like, we're done. We're done. We don't need, how do we have babies in that kind of scenario? Like, there's so much sci-fi to take place between those two questions. And so I'm going to go, I'm going to leave the babies one. I think that's really an interesting one. Another one would be like, there's a nuclear winter right now. So let's say China, uh, Pakistan and India, kaboom, nuclear winter. Okay. It's going to be nece- not necessarily that we have radiation over here, but the environment, you talk about global warming, it's going to be global cooling. And it's going to go for like five to 12 years. Think, uh, you know, Game of Thrones, the long winter kind of thing. Oh, how are we getting food? We're all struggling. That's terrifying. And again, in that scenario, who's thinking about the, the most important thing to do in a, in a 12-year global winter is to make sure we still have kids. That is the absolute most important thing to do. So I want to write a story that's like a, like a, 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 a zombie walker trying to escape a nuclear winter kind of thing, Mad Max, only the prime directive is we have to keep the human species alive because no one's having babies. And no, the orphans, look at them, right? And we're all going to die. And in 12 years, there'll be nothing left, right? There'll be a whole generation missing. You don't want that. You don't want that. So um, uh, cool sci-fi. On the phone, though, here's the, we're all in sci-fi world. None of this is real. This is all imaginary, completely imaginary. <laughs> But here's the phone one that I think is a lot of fun. And then maybe it gets a little not imaginary. So if I was an alien species and I wanted to take over your brain and I had to get proximity to your brain in order to take over your brain, what I would do is I would create something you could not resist that you would hold next to your brain for as long as possible. And then I would use it to take over your brain. I mean, I don't think that sounds nuts, right? Like I'm not, I don't think aliens actually did it. I don't think that. I think the devil did it. <laughs> I don't think he really like, did it. I think it just happened, but he knows what's going on more than we do. And I think that he knows that it's a drug, uh, that all video is a drug. It, it stimulates your cortex, creates dopamine, all this stuff. And uh, he knows it can turn your brain off real quick. Yeah. So uh, what kind of story would that be? in your sci-fi universe? Oh my goodness. It's so much fun. So thank you, Jedi Knight, for living with me in this. But I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. No matter how much you want to imagine the dystopic future of absolute chaos, whatever, I mean, you could make it worse. Dust, the book that I may or may not write at this point, I still hope I can, but there's other more important stories, if you're following that, that you've seen have shown up. Um, but, uh, you know, the whole point of that universe is to make it worse, like the worst possible dystopic universe ever <laughs> it, uh, with everything going wrong, where the government's controlling you for, through food that is a drug, which may also be a reality, by the way. Uh, but that's a different, that's a different topic. Um, imagining these kinds of scenarios whether you do it as a story or whether you're trapped writing stories like i am or or whether it's something much more minute right that isn't so globally and you know all encompassing it's still the question i opened with right it's what are you afraid of 
And why is fear your mind killer? Why is fear your mind killer? Is it because death might be the result of what you're afraid of? And I think if you start asking that question, you're going to find the answer is yes. And then it's not like, oh, well, I shouldn't be afraid of death. Well, of course you're afraid of death. Everybody's afraid of death. Good for you for admitting it. Now, he is risen. You are paid for. You cannot die. He won't be long now. Yeah? That changes it. I mean, write that one down. I'll try it again here, right? He is risen. You are paid for. You cannot die now. And he won't be long anyway. Write that down. Try that against fear as the mind killer next time. He is risen. You are paid for. You cannot die now. And he won't be long anyway. Say that in the mornings. Oh, it's so much better, isn't it? That's good. It's, it's like your creed, like boiled down into like, I don't know what you call it, a cup of coffee. <laughs> you should say your creed every morning too. But um, he is risen. You are paid for. You cannot die now. And he's... Ah, he won't be long anyway. There you go. All right. So uh, thank you, Jedi Knight. You earned it. Uh, Michael Schuller says this. Thanks for broadcast for broaching the Vax topic. Well, you're welcome. You guys broached it. I just kind of joined in. Um, keep digging. The pertinent truth is easier to find than you think. Well, that's good. Um, what to do with the truth is much harder. Thanks again. Yes. Okay. So I'm, I'm with you on that, Mike. So there's a lot you can find out there. There's also a diversity of things you can find out there. And what you find quickly is that it becomes way more complex than you were expecting. And to broad breast the answer, um, especially if you're wanting to change minds with your mind and not just tell everyone they're wrong so they think you are crazy, it, it just is a little more complicated than all of that. Um, one of the questions that was brought to me by someone else after the VAC stuff uh, from last weekend uh, was this. So if we can't use material, human material, I mean, uh, it's what it is, from past evils. Does that change? Like, so if someone gets murdered and then becomes a donor, do we have to, like, not do that, right? Now, I'm not trying to do ad absurdum on it. Um, I'm just trying to 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 be open about the reality. Um, or the worst one is this, because I've, I know Christians do this, and it can be really detrimental to yourself, honestly, which is to say, well, even if there's false knowledge that are, or if there's good knowledge that has come out of an evil past— we should reject that, but we can't because that knowledge, once mankind knows it and finds it in books, you can't get rid of it. So the, the weird thing, this is so awful, but the whole planet right now benefits from Nazi Germany. We do. It's awful. It's awful, but we beat them and we had to get really good to beat them. And all this science and tech was created to beat them. Well, because of that, should we not use it then? Because it was from them. I mean, because it was, and I think that's sad. No, you should hold on to that, Right. But now, I'm not saying you should say that about what cultures created from former, well, from human embryos. I shouldn't say former. Golly, it's sticky though, isn't it? Um, and it's, 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 I don't know. It's awful. And then you have the fact that they're like mandating it in places. You know, is this the, is this the place for Christians to resist? Um, and that's where my answer remains. Look, the truth's pretty easy to find. What you should do where you are is not so easy to decide, and that's why no one should be saying, I know the answer, period. It should be, here, look at this. If you know the answer, period, that's fine. Your, your answer to everybody else should be, here, did you see this information? Question. Question. Here, did you see this information? Don't tell people. Ask them. Ask them. Um, more on that in the, in the near future, I think. Uh, Mike, thank, thanks, though. Uh, and yeah, keep digging on all these topics. There's a lot of things from the 30s through the 50s that the government said that are still being said as if it's settled science and 
in like all of them, it wasn't settled science at the time, which is really quirky, especially if you know anything about the New Deal, which, oh, you'd have to listen to that podcast to even get close to that one. So Michael Schuler again, oh, thanks for the double super chat. This is uh, for using Dross in 2020. Uh, and then we also had Kimberly chime in right as we were doing all of this. We'll throw you in here too. Kimberly says, $20, uh, as a Leo wife, ah, I really appreciate your willingness to back the blue. I plan my, <laughs> I didn't even think about it being a Leo shirt. That's great. Uh, that's really awesome because the Higher Things Conference is going on this week and all this, the virtual conference. And Leo, I got put into Leo last time. Was I in Leo again this time? I don't know if they could ever take me out of Leo after the way I was last time. I did not have the opportunity with moves and everything else to attend the virtual conference aside from recording for it. Um, but uh, if Leo, I heard Leo won, right? Which is kind of cool. Uh, but I don't want to, I want to, I don't want to uh, spread fake news. That was just like I heard. So that's like three times removed and all that. But anyway, case. Definitely Leo is the best house and back the blue, right? Because Leo, right. I plan my Saturday mornings around the Mad Christian. Thank you very much. Thank you for teaching us. You are welcome. I'm glad to, to do so. All right. So now I had this dream that this would go like this and be like really cool. Oh, I almost did it, but it didn't happen. And then I also have a new mouse. It's an old mouse. It's a new mouse. Golly, finding a good mouse these days for this hand, this hand. As much as I stay away from as much computer board work as I can, no matter what I do, when I come back, this hand and all the way down through here, it's in pain, shooting nerve pain, like almost immediately. And it's carpal tunnel, if you've never heard of it. You know, be careful where and how you type. I played a lot of World of Warcraft. Tap, 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 tap. I also type. I'm a writer, right? Um, but just, just, just know, it, it wears out. <laughs> the body wears out. All right. I got more for you here. Got more for you. We are going to go on to some funnies. Paladin says this. This is from last weekend, mostly uh, us to show prefer, 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 preferred pronouns. Paladin SGT, morning fellow chillisons. Oh, that's good. Yeah, us the chillisons. I know Schroeder says, oh, and no puns. Children is my favorite. Chillerit, chill squad. Chillisons is very good. I'm agree with that. Um, and uh, when you think about it, uh, Michael says, I, I just now realized that Batman is Mary Poppins with issues. Yes, true. The ba- <laughs> well, do you think Mary Poppins did not have issues? Have you watched the movie? Have you read the book? It's different. Um, I just now realized that Batman is Mary Poppins with issues. The bag, tool belt, they are yin and yang to each other. Yes. So like, like <laughs> Victorian, Victorian England, you know, with what's the, what's the guy on the roof shooting the cannon off all the time, right? Like they're, they're the, they're the yin to Gotham's yang. <laughs> it's actually kind of true. This is good. You can go deep. I'd love to see someone who's at seminary should try to write a paper for a prof and fit this as the thesis into the assignment. I think that would be really cool. And you could do it about how, like, you could do it like on hermeneutics itself. Like hermeneutics is a tool belt. Uh, you know, this is like your introduction, your conclusion. You can just totally play with it. Um, that'd be awesome. Uh, Loger says this, Fisk should get uh, those Roomba lawnmowers for his grass. They have lawnmowers now? That's pretty cool. I got a, I got a 12-year-old. 13-year-old. That's better. <laughs> She's awesome. That kid, uh, I, I'll, just, I'll just let her be. Oh, kid, kids are awesome. They each, in their own way, will uh, mar- make you marvel. You know what? I should have done it this way. This is going to be like this the whole time. Hold on. Let me fix it. There we go. Uh, Connection to healthcare, cost, containment. What do I say to my best friend who I lost to BLM and the Marxist movement? It's an interesting way to talk about it, isn't it? Uh, raised in LCMS, confirmed in one of my daughter's baptismal sponsors. Wow. Don't, I guess. I don't know. Um, wait, what do they say? Oh, I know. Ask questions. 
I mean it. Ask questions. So now you're going to make me do something I didn't want to do yet. I'm going to do it anyway. All right. So uh, Greg Kugel has a book called Tactics. It's about how to talk to your friends about Christianity. It is really more a resource for how to answer every particular argument about this, that, or the other thing that someone might raise against some of the primary apologetic Christian hotbeds like creation, uh, abortion, that kind of thing. Um, so what it really is is a good reference tool for that. It doesn't have a, 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 it has stuff about how to talk to your friends, but it's kind of buried in there. And so, um, I, I had an idea that maybe that information could be tied more directly to some of the ideas from, you know, basic law gospel. Some of the ideas from, from the basic resurrection apologetic or the, the fact that Jesus is risen, you're paid for, you, you know, you cannot die now and he'll be long, be long anyway. That, that idea, right? Um, what if, what if I just wrote a little tract book on, on like how to, how to talk about that to people? <laughs> um, and, uh, the, I did. It's almost done. Um, it happened really fast. I can't wait to get it out. Stay tuned. If you haven't signed up for Mad Mondays yet, well, you should. I'll just leave it that. But uh, it'll be free too, by the way. So you should go sign up. Uh, but, 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 but not in paperback free. <laughs> uh, so, um, but I'll give it all away right now. No, I, it's not all the way. I'll give three, one of the three main points away, which is that stop saying anything. Start asking questions. Don't talk to your friends. Listen to your friends. And just keep listening. Listen carefully. Say, do you mind if I take some notes? Write down the big words that you think they maybe don't even know what they mean. And then ask, what's that mean? How'd you come to this conclusion? Why do you think that? Just keep going. And wait for the moment when you know they've condemned themselves and say, but doesn't that mean you can't? It's still a question. And just just let the pause, let the silence sit. And you never have to say anything else after that. Just be the person who let their worldview not make sense and wasn't upset about it. You're okay with it, right? And then if you're like, um, yeah, well, there's like two more steps to get to he has risen. Um, and uh, uh, well, again, stay tuned. What do you say to your friend? Ask questions. In any situation where you're dealing with someone who is antagonistic to you, a barbarian breaks into your house with his axe. Like, ask a question. He's going to stop. He's going to stop and be like, you know. Ask a question. Why? Why? This is like genius. This is again cool. When you ask a question, you've become a disciple. You've said, you're the master, I'm the disciple. But it's not a way in like a slave, right? Like there's two types of master. There's the master slave and there's the master disciple. And and granted, in Christianity, there's the good kind of slavery, which is slavery to righteousness. It's right there in the Bible. We can't avoid it. But that's not what, that's not the same thing as what most people mean when they say slavery. So let's just let's just stick with, you know, uh, the, 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 there's the righteousness that comes that makes it so that we stand before our enemies unafraid and willing to say, my worldview, he has risen. I cannot die now. He won't be long anyway because I'm paid for, right? Uh, my worldview is not afraid to listen to their worldview. They can yammer. They can go. They can say all sorts of stuff in their mythology to show how their mythology is awesome. And if I just listen and then ask and then ask again, and then ask again about whatever's interesting to me in it. And I know my faith well enough, and, I, and therefore I see the difference between grace and works, particularly, and I can understand law gospel and the conscience just a, just a tad bit, just a touch. And I know that the resurrection of Jesus makes all the difference, and they don't have that. And so there's assumptions I can make about the assumptions they're making as I ask the questions. Just keep asking questions. And eventually they're going to hang themselves with their own ideas. And you say, do you really want to do that? It's just a question. 
And when they finally say no, what's the other option? You say, he is risen. <laughs> right? you, you get there. So um, now, if you really want me to talk about the problem with BLM and the Marxist movement, I guess a different issue, right? So that's learning how to talk to your friends in order to change their mind is a different thing than learning how to tell them they're wrong. You got it, right? And I'm not saying you don't want to know how to tell yourself it's wrong so that you're willing to go and take the time to ask questions and change their mind, and you'll ask better questions if you do know their content and you study it. However, there's a lot of content out there. There's a lot of people who need mind changing. You know, you're going to study the Jehovah's Witness content too, right? So, so at what point does the let's all memorize everything fall apart and we have to instead get back to what's called first principles, First principles, first things, things of central or natural law, order, and remember that the Bible teaches not only that these things exist and we can find them by looking for them, gravity, but but that also there are certain ones the Bible says these things exist like this and we can stick to those. Don't kill people, you know, and as a general rule, your neighbor, don't kill your neighbor, um, that, that kind of thing. So arming ourselves with this reality uh, is a different to, to be willing to question and listen is a different thing than arming ourselves with the reality of the information. You know, how do I know it's wrong? That's about defending my own conscience against the devil's attacks, right? And so that's a different question. How do you defend your own conscience and know that they are wrong and you're right? In fact, that they are being deceived. It's not just they're wrong and you're right. It's not that they lose and you win. They are deceived by the archangel demonic Balrog who wants to eat them, except he won't. He'll just die with them. They are following his lead. And how can I say that about the BLM movement? Because it's Marxist. That's how I can say it. And Marxism is a godless thing. There's just no way around it. It says it is. It wants to be. It hates fatherhood. Why? Because it's a godless thing. And fathers are created in the image of God. By definition, fatherhood exists as a reflection of God being the father of all. And so to be an organization based upon a theory, Marxism, that says uh, we must tear down all authorities, there is no good authority that exists, and indeed fatherhood must be removed, and to say you're going to do that for all the black people, when it's really clear that in the black neighborhoods in America, the one thing most needed right now is not less fathers. It's not less fathers. (laughs) It's not the the most needed thing, right? So you'll have to just, you know, kind of arm yourself with that thinking. Know that wherever communism and Marxism has popped up in the history of the church before the 1960s, all the Christians were like, that's from the devil. (laughs) <laughs> like you can go find a track I'm not I'm not out of left field with the LCMS. Walther wrote like a whole like public tract about it. Uh which I think I'm trying to get Wolfmuller send this to him, right? I'm trying to get Wolfmuller to republish it. He he's the repristinated publishing house, right? Like like let's get that thing out there because it does matter. It does matter that you believe property doesn't exist. It does matter that you think that the Fourth Commandment government should be allowed to seventh commandment break steel in order to not have property exist so that you can have more of someone else's property? That's coveting, right? So, like, there's so many things going on in breaking that. I'm not saying capitalism's right, but to insist that Marxism is right um, and not see how it is directly, directly antagonistic to not just the Seventh Commandment and the Ninth and Tenth Commandment, but to the Fourth Commandment. That's what, and in this way, it's to the, to the First Commandment, which is why Christianity suffered in, and suffers in every single Every single, really all religions suffer in every single uh, Marxist communist regime that gets power in that area. It's why the Uyghurs are having what's done, being done to them being done to them, right? Because I think they're the ones that are the Muslims. And if it's not them, then there was another one that just had that happen last year. I, I Just on and on, on and on. Speaking of which, so when the communists come and try to take away your religion, do you have your creed memorized yet? When they make you watch the screen like in a waterfall 
<laughs> it's like a cold waterfall, right? You're standing there and the screen's on and it's like, you know, you will vote for Joe Biden. You will vote for Joe Biden. You love Joe Biden because he loves all the people he lumps into large categories. The, <laughs> you know, and it's like, oh, I can't take any more. Will you be able to pray the Lord's Prayer? Will you be able to say the Ten Commandments? Now, I, I don't want to like scare you, like really. I, don't, I, I, for my part, I want to be ready for the worst torture that they can give me. I just want to, in my own mind, know that I'm going to pray against this ever happening. Dear Lord, let it not be. And then I want to know that if it came, he would be enough. You with me on that one? So, so dear Lord, may it never be, but if he came, it would be enough. And so, because I'm that kind of, you know, weird sci-fi geek, I imagine stuff. And I imagine, like, what would it be like to have to hold to the faith through torture? What do I focus on? What do I say? What do I remember? Do I th- I'm not going to think of Captain America at that point. I'm not going to think, <laughs> freedom! I know! What am I going to think of? Well, I'm going to think of the cross. I'm going to think of Jesus. He is risen. You are paid for. You cannot die. It won't be long now. <laughs> you know? Um, that's what you want to say to your friend. What do I say to my friend? He is risen. And, and until she listens to that, it's like, yes, you cannot die now. <laughs> no. Now, now, maybe she would affirm all those things. Um that's where you got to keep asking questions then. Since she says she's a Christian, move into the Ten Commandments. And just, I know at some point, she will have to expose her, uh, her hypocrisy. Hmm. Hope that helps. You can't make these conversations happen. You cannot force people to convert or to agree with you. It is impossible. People are independent minds. We're made that way on purpose. And it's a beautiful thing. It's, it's the way God created us. With that being the truth... We have to respect that in each other then, right? So like the eighth commandment, your name, don't lie, is about that to some extent. Recognizing that all these bodies, fifth commandment, that are connected to each other, sixth commandment, that make use of the stuff around us, seventh commandment, that we are each individually uniquely created by God and that that in itself is a glory. So not everyone learns the same way. And that's not bad. That's good. Why should we try to make everyone learn the same way? Not everyone likes the same taste in food. That's fine. Like you don't have to like the same taste in food, same colors, right? Diversity, the real idea of of diversity, which is being taken away from us right now in the name of communism. Well, it's not in the name of communism. It's in the name of diversity. But if you've ever read anybody from the 50s and 60s who was talking about when they try to take over what they do, they told you that they will change the meaning of the word to mean the opposite of the the word. Freedom is slavery. Diversity is, um, you know, communism. (laughs) <laughs> communism. Uh, so all of the community churches out there that are communist churches effectively preaching that we all should just have diversity by looking exactly the same and getting rid of the old traditions. Um, well, that's an interesting thing, isn't it? Let, let's see. Let's see. There's more about that coming up at a certain point here uh, in the morning. We'll drop this down here and say, Pastor Fisk, Daniel pops in. On the latest chill about vaccines, you talked about diet some. You mentioned sluggishness, lack of mental clarity, etc. This is me. Can you point me in the right direction on fixing this? I'm sick of being tired and sluggish, and I'm sure my family is too. Thank you, Daniel. Okay. I am not a nutritional consultant. I simply have followed a lot of doctors and nutritional consultants over the years trying to figure out my and my wife's particularly health issues. Um, uh, immunodeficient issues, and then my uh, leaning diabetic in my early 30s. And uh, it's been a long journey. And so I don't want to tell you that I think there's just a right answer. What I want to tell you first is that there is a vast amount of misinformation out there. And perhaps the most stunning thing to know is that when big tobacco was finally stopped from 
uh, advertising on TV to children in the 80s, I think, uh, they invested heavily in sugary grain cereals and began running commercials on Saturday mornings. And now we're all diabetic. <laughs> we weren't before that. That's not, that's a one-to-one. I jumped really far. But when, when you, when you learn that big tobacco pivoted in the eighties, you should just want to know what they were doing because big tobacco is, is, was evil straight up. And you should go look into them, look at what they were doing, the kind of manipulation, the kind of politics, the way they control the government, the American government. Uh, and, and it was just a couple of states at that point. So the issue that America is facing is twofold. Immunodeficient rise across the board with a bunch of weird stuff that doesn't seem to relate to itself. It's all over the map. People are just having like, like glandular issues. And then you know, allergic issues. My family's just peppered with this. Uh, and then uh, in stomach issues, irritable bowel, um, you know, thyroid issues. I, every third woman I meet says, oh, I got thyroid issues. Well, you too, really? Oh, wow. You know, everybody does. Oh, that's amazing. Um, you start to say, well, why is this? Why is this? So you have the connection of uh, obesity, rising diabetes, uh, and um, uh, random immunodeficiency things. The only thing that I have seen that I can tell you with an absolute certainty is connected to this is you're eating way too much sugar. Straight up, that's it. You know, and, and how do you define sugar? So you got macros, right? I mean, I'm not a big macro person, but the idea is that a macro is a category of food that's so big that it's all kind of the same: protein, fat, sugar. We call them carbs, uh, and um, I call them sugar because it's sugar. Uh, they're all it's all sugar, uh, and, and then you know, water would fit in that range, right? The only one you don't need to live is sugar. Um, it doesn't necessarily hurt you, and your body makes use of sugar, turns fat into sugar. So sugar is not necessarily bad by itself and can be, especially if you're going to be an athlete, it can be really, really useful. It's, it's like a hyperfuel. But the more you are trying, not, it's not about living on sugar, glucosis. So what I've done is I've gotten into ketosis, removing all sugars and living on fats and proteins. I've done that by using carnivore because it's just easier than the other way. Um, uh, it is more boring, that's for sure. Uh, Going into ketosis kind of shifts that glucose, the, the glucosis, glucosis uh, sugar, insulin, roller coaster spike that eating gives you. Uh, and I, there's no other way to say it other than it's just true that if, you, if you're in glucosis, your meal times will involve crankiness or tiredness beforehand and definitely tiredness after. Maybe not first thing in the morning because you were tired to begin with, right? But you also will want to snack in between because you're on this roller coaster of insulin glucose. When you're in a ketosis, that doesn't happen. You really don't even get hungry. I have to be made to eat by my wife and it's because I'm tired. And that's what the sign that I'm hungry is still a year into this. It's difficult for me to realize I should go eat right now. Um, and you know, I, I can go without meals without thinking about it. Why? Well, because I'm not in an insulin spike. I'm living in a, in a constant stream of ketones being made from the fats that I'm eating. And then when my body needs sugars, my body makes those also out of the fats that I'm eating. And so it's not that I can't, you know, go into fight or flight and use a, a glucosis moment, which is what it's made for, I think, in our bodies. Um, but uh, it, it is uh, – uh, you're able to do that. Something else to think about is how, how much of this is connected to just when we eat. So you go back a couple generations and uh, people could not eat the way we do. And it wasn't that they were starving. It was that you didn't get to have avocados year-round. You didn't get to have apples year-round, right? strawberries year-round, uh, candy corn year-round, right? I don't know if you can get candy corn year round. That's kind of sad. Um, but corn syrup, <laughs> you're, you're round, right? You can just go and get whatever you want. So 
Our body is designed by God to live in seasons with days and months and, and turnings. And, and whether or not it was going to be a constant summer in paradise or not, I mean, it was all fruit. It was all different. I don't know. And there's a lot to talk about, like change with the fall and ruminants and the flood and meat. And we can even eat the animals. Like that's all in there too. And I don't, I don't know that you even need to go into that. But to, to see that we are designed by God and adapting under God's sustenance to live in the world that he has made the valley of the shadow of death on our as, as our fault, we caused it, but on our behalf that he might save us from it. Um, and, and that uh, within, this, within this place, we were made to not eat the same food all the time. You couldn't. You would eat proteins and fats in the winter when you had to hunt, and you would eat whatever you could grow whenever you could grow it, but it wouldn't be that much. And you could can it, and you can make it last, right? There's all that stuff. It, the big change is when Egypt really starts making grains, you know, into housing places. Oh, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? Uh, you know, it, that changed the way bread impacted the world. Um, and, and to be sure, bread is a way to not starve. And so I don't want to demean bread and its place in history. Um, it is a sugar, right? And so if you're just living on sugar, that's the bigger issue. You are going to be creating an overload in your system that your liver probably can't handle. So again, you know, I gave you way too much there, didn't I? There's a ton. So, so what you really want to do is you want to look into ke- ke- uh, ketosis or the ketogenic diet, K-E-T-O, keto. Don't go buy stuff. Don't go buy ketones. Don't do any of that. Just, just look into what ketosis means. Um, you can look at, I would say, uh, uh, Human Performance Outliers podcast with uh, Dr. Sean Baker, I think, is one of the most informative, straight up, like, they're just talking to a lot of different people about the issues, including bringing vegans on to have inter- interchanges with them, you know, trying to talk about what is good nutrition, how do we move away from SAD, the standard American diet, into something better, regardless of what it is, because there's a lot of things that are better than eating at McDonald's every day, uh, you know, which is, again, is you got a little tiny strip of protein, barely, uh, you know, uh, some saturated fat created from soy, uh, some barely wheat, it's, it's almost wheat that that they call the bun, right? We'll, we'll slather some corn syrup on that. We'll call that food. You're going to make your body out of that. And you wonder why things are going wrong, right? Your body's got to be made out of something. So the science I would start digging in on again is what is ketosis? What is glucosis? What is that insulin cycle, right? What is the insulin cycle? And you don't have to live on the insulin cycle if you don't want to. It is not an easy transition. I will, I will straight up admit it is not an easy transition. Uh, it's maybe not for everyone. Although I think... At the very least, seasonally, it kind of is, right? So, so it, this is where it's important, what I said earlier about virology. Like, there is no Christian answer to this. Please don't hear this as like, I'm the pastor, this is right, right? This, that's so far from this. We're off in the first article world trying to understand how to live together, right? And in my experience, when I removed sugar from my diet, the weight fell off. Most of my things, except for my chronic pain uh, in arthritis, uh, went away. I think I have a theory on, the, on that one, but it went away. I'm in better shape than I was when I was 18 years old. I, I have to, I don't have any clothing that still fit. I had to re- replace my entire wardrobe, the stuff I've had for years, like since marriage. <laughs> and I didn't even try. And so it's like, I can't say that's not something someone should look at, right? Uh, and, and, and think about. And again, it's, it's the difference is ketosis versus gluco- glucosis. That's the, that's the medical argument that needs to happen. In Britain, I follow, if you follow my Twitter, I retweet a lot of stuff from doctors that are talking about this. I don't always agree with them. There's a guy I follow. I guess he's a little more on the corona stuff, but you know, he's way into like, like plant-based diets being a primary thing, which I disagree with. I don't think that's a good idea. Um, but that's okay, right? We should be able to have 
a discussion about there's better options than what we have now. And what we have now is killing us. Like if it's in a box. Wow. Like it's just, do you know what the stuff on the back of the box label is? Like, have you ever read it? Do you know what it is? Why not? You're putting in your, you're trying to make yourself out of it. That's why like, so this is what makes carnivore so easy. Okay. So I'm going to advocate carnivore now for a second, but I'm only doing it because it's easy. A piece of red meat that a cow has made out of grass, which has everything that we need, but we can't really digest the grass much. The cow takes it and it makes it into something we can digest. Adds on the fats, right? Creates this amazing little package of just about everything that you need to survive, except the water. And it don't taste too bad. Takes a while to eat. You cannot eat a steak fast. It's hard. Uh, burger, you can eat faster, but you can choke. And careful with the eggs. They can go up your nose. <laughs> but the thing is, it's easy. If you go to ketosis other ways and you're trying to manage how many sugars you're getting from fruits and vegetables, it's just, it's just a lot more difficult. Now, to be fair, I eat blueberries sometimes. I have some dried dates in the fridge. Uh, I'll eat some, uh, uh, I can't even think of it, you know, beef jerky. This guy, it's got a little bit of sugar on it. Um, so, you know, when you get into it, it's not that I have no sugars ever in my body. It's about making that, finding that line between ketosis, glucosis, and, and making that shift. And even if it's only for a time, if you want to lose weight, if you want to in, in a year, lose 50 pounds, it'll do it. It'll be gone. As long as you don't go back as far as you went, you can go back to eating kind of semi-regularly, whatever, right? As long as you recognize like seasonal eating and like, oh, I can't just eat an apple every day. I mean, it's a lot of sugar, right? You limit your sugar a little bit, then it's a great tool to like hop to where you want to be. And it can also reset the system. That's what we found with my wife, particularly, who she was having. Was it thyroid? We didn't know. Test, blah, 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 forever, ever. Hair falling out. I shouldn't say that publicly, but I did. But the thing is, it's not falling out now. It's, she's, she's doing better. Why? Because she eats ribeyes. Lots of them. I don't know. It's magic. It's a magic meat. <laughs> what can I say? Do you have to eat only ribeyes? No. But should you eat protein? Yes. Should you eat red meat? Yeah, it's good for you. Should you eat fat? Well, in portions, depending on how much sugar you're eating, should you eat sugar? In portions, depending on how much fat you're eating. And if you're going to eat a lot of both, that's when you have uh, well, nutritional systemic issues start to happen in your body. Because it's like putting two different fuels. If you put diesel and um, <laughs> if you put diesel and regular fuel into the same tank, it would not work. Well, but Pastor Fisk, how can the body be both? Well, it is both. You just have to do one or the other. You can't mix them, which is a pretty cool design. It's made for the winter, summer, fall kind of transition of man. So we have two different phases we can live in in the seasons. Um, maybe long-term ketosis is bad, and I should cycle on to uh, you know uh, uh, glucosis in the summertime. I don't know. We don't know. That's why we have to keep talking about these things and not let it be ideological. You know, you can't let this be about your identity. This has to be about like, okay, there is a world we live in. I can't die. He's coming back soon anyway. But like, what is the best way to make use of all this stuff? Like, we can figure this out. You know, and it, maybe I was wrong before. That's okay. Right. So cool. Daniel, thank you for that question. I'm going to take just a three minute break, probably drink some water, uh, come right on back and we're going to do more. So don't you go away anywhere except for what you can do is get a drink. Of course, you can go to the restroom. Of course, you got three minutes. And if you would hit some likes, we've got 94 watching, 49 likes and one negative. I love it. We need more negatives. If we get more negatives, maybe it'll help our, uh, our, our outreach. I don't know. If you haven't liked, try to not, try to not like, let's see how many, let's see what happens. Everyone, don't don't move, remove your likes. Don't make it so bad that like they take us down or something, right? Um, but uh, maybe that'd be fun. I'll be right back.
All right. Well, we didn't get any dislikes, and that's good because because it doesn't matter. Apparently, Darth Mix said this. He said the YouTube algorithm does not distinguish between likes and dislikes, which is why you can get videos with a million dislikes recommended to you. That's interesting. That's really a strange thing because you would think they'd show you what other people like you liked, not what they disliked. But then again, don't they only show you what they want you to hear? Anybody a Pink Floyd fan? I mean, this is nothing new. What did you dream? It's all right. We, we told you what to dream. If you've never watched Merchants of Cool, you got to go do it. Like right now, pause me, go do that. I'll be here later. Uh, you can check it out. Don't forget to stop by Patreon on the way. <laughs> Back to you. Back to you. Don't laugh at me too hard. I'm just a guy. Here we go. We should seriously consider, says Desert Rose, um, second one this morning, good for you, uh, turning the side yards of our churches into organic permaculture gardens. What an amazing way to strengthen the community and feed it. We need to go backwards in some aspects of our lives, get our hands back in the dirt, garden together. Our kids desperately need this too. I- I'm with you. Agrarianism is something we need to recapture, right? That, that yes, we are sojourners in this world. At the same time, man was made to stand upon the planet and to, uh, to steward it, to care for it. So even though we're sojourning in cities that do not belong to us and we are walking toward the resurrected city that will be our own, that doesn't mean that the cities that do not belong to us can't benefit from us. This is the value of Jeremiah 29, right? Um, that God wants us to be lights and salt in the midst of the gaping wound that is civilization barbarianism uh, so that it's good for our neighbor, right? And in fact, this will be good for us as well. And one way to do that is to care about the land. Everyone knows that the commons is not cared for unless you pay someone to care for it. Nobody voluntarily cares for the commons. It's called, philosophically, the tragedy of the commons. And the tragedy of the commons means that publicly held lands uh, will be trashed. And it's strange as you watch our cities become more and more publicly held trashed lands in a communist kind of way, uprising kind of way. Um, but but you don't have to have that happen to see how your city streets aren't clean unless you pay someone to clean them. No one goes and picks up somebody else's dirty trash. It just doesn't happen. So how do you create that? How do you become a local community that desires, not as city, but as congregation, to care about a commons in such a way that people can use it who are not members of your church, in such a way that the land is one which draws people? I mean, why are not churches all parks? Why not? You have the land. Uh, no. Uh, why build a skate park be even better but but yes the, the point is indeed if we really want to be community centers again then we have to believe there's a community outside of us that matters more than us and that would be a place to start most of the communities inside of at least missouri Synod churches are there to maintain themselves not to necessarily have others benefit from them being there without getting some re- reciprocal re- return um and i can i can just tell you stories about how well we can't fund a mission to this and that and this over there because we've tried that before and they don't pay for themselves oh that's oh, good way to go guys you really figured that one out okay we'll just back off then you know, anyway we, that's the mentality of 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 what i don't know what you call it mushy missouri missouri's not always mushy missouri can be an absolute beast missouri should be an absolute beast but we tend to be mushy missouri and and that that is uh, one foot on sand, one foot in the sea, and not like Gabriel, right? And not, not like Gabriel at all. <laughs> we just can't decide where we're going to stand. And as a result, we waffle between two opinions. And the Lord has words about that, too. You can go dig those up. Just look for it. You know, how long will you waffle between two opinions? And in any case, so agrarianism, ownership, extreme even, Willow Inc., Jocko Willow Inc., Inc.-ish, Golly, I was like speaking in tongues, wasn't it? Uh, Jocko Willink, Extreme Ownership, book recommendation. Uh, 
take extreme ownership of your property in such a way that you believe it's not there for you. Do that for your home. Do that for your uh, for your your church. Eh? Doesn't mean go you know act like you own it if it's your church. Right, get involved. But then uh, try to as a church engender a culture that sees the area around you as in fact uh, what you're there to serve. And it's, you're not there to serve them by inviting them to church. That's, that's not how it works. That's not how being a good neighbor is. Like, hey, I'm here for you to come and help me pay for my stuff. Like, no, that, that, that's not how it works, right? It's, hey, uh, we're over there. We believe he's risen from the dead. Don't worry about that for now. But hey, there's this community garden. And every Thursday afternoon, you come and you get a plot. You just sign up and it's yours all year. You can bring your wine. We hang out while we work. It's fantastic, right? Oh, well, I might come over to that, right? And why not? I've been looking for community. And because of COVID, I'm trapped inside. It'd be great to be in the sunshine and the breeze because, well, I don't get much from the news, but it's clear the sunshine and the breeze is good for us. Okay, well, then we'll maybe be part of that, right? Now, what I recommend you not do is run out. I mean, it'd be nice if you were set up for it in a sense, but trust me, the, the many, many community gardens that have been started by liberal churches in the last 10 years are not suddenly being flooded by, by, by shut-ins, you know, trying to get out of their house. Uh, they're, they're still sitting there just kind of being maintained by the same people. Because, again, the tragedy of the commons, and if you're trying to do this as a way to get people involved, you have to do it for them to come and receive, not give. They have to come and receive, not give. Yeah, You're there to give. Now, I'm not talking about church. I'm not talking about when you're at getting the sacrament from Jesus. I'm not talking about how the pastor should be preaching to you, right? The pastor should not be preaching to you that you are there with Jesus to serve, not give. That's the other way around now. We're talking about inside the Holy Assembly. You are there to give, not serve. Sit down. <laughs> Sit down. Let Jesus give it to you. Yeah, But when you go the other way, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now you imitate the one who is your Lord. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, now, but I, I mentioned the, the, you know, the, the community garden kind of charade that you see a lot of liberal churches do It's more connected to the environmental madness. It's, it's this idea that like this be radical growths of farming co-ops that will exist amongst, you know, poor ethnic communities. And, and what happens is instead you have a couple of older white people that will take care of that because what they won't do is go talk to the people that live next door to them and, Invite them over, invite the children over, and teach them how to garden. <laughs> so if you're going to do this, don't just put it there. Like, more important than whatever you put anywhere in your property is learning how to talk to people and be hospitable and invite them to use it. And then the congregation has to make that happen in some way. So I'm right there with you on this, by the way. Uh, I have I have great dreams for where we are. We've got a, a nice piece of property in the middle of nowhere, and I'd like to half keep it that way. I'd like the people people to come here, to go to our property, to get things that come from the nowhere toward the city. <laughs> and then I want them to go back to the city. I want to create a bridge between country and city right on our corner, right on River Spring Corner. I want to see that happen. Why? I want to park there. I want farming there. I want I want trade and produce there. Why? Because I want to serve my neighborhood. And frankly, there aren't, the only grocery store really left on this side of the river is Walmart. And so if there's farmers around, why not? Yeah. And, and it's about, again, it's Americanism in a sense, right? It's what made Texas bounce back differently from every hurricane that hit it than other places. I won't call anybody out by name. But let me just say, Texas was like, oh, you guys wanted to help? Well, that's cool, I guess. <laughs> right? Like, like. We need more of that, people. America, we need more of that. All y'all moving to Texas because you don't have none of that, don't take that from Texas. Please, please don't take that from Texas. I'm as California as it gets. I'd love to go back and I'd love to shake California up. It won't happen. It's too late. It's going to fall into the sea. There's nothing we can do. Okay? That is the way it is. 
Huh? Portland, Seattle, we're going to go with it? Okay. Maybe we can live under Babylon in microcosmic cultures. Let's do it. I'm all for that too. Let's send missionaries everywhere. Don't abandon anything. But let's not pretend that there aren't some civilizations that can handle tragedy better than others. <laughs> and Texas is one of them for all of its flaws. I don't necessarily love Texas. But I love the fact that when they get knocked down, they get back up again. Every Irishman in the room just got excited, I think. I'm not Irish. Although I might be. You know, all us Japhethites are effectively Japhethites. You with me on that? We'll leave it at that. So, uh, do not do it unless you are going to be a people person or have a people person to invite people to it. You will have to have social things happen. If it sits by itself as plants, nobody will come. That's my, my like narrow consulting advice to you on this one. But in terms of turning your church property into a public place that's maintained privately, it is not public in the sense that the government maintains it. It's public in the sense that it is open to the public all the time and that you give value on your property in days when it's good to be outside, especially, um, how awesome would that be? Why have we not done this before? I know why we're too busy doing the things we want, which is mainly running around trying to live life. The TV says we have to, Oh, I didn't mean to like insult you. I just, just kind of did. All right. Wait, that's not it. That's not it. Don't watch one day. I'll learn. Nope. That's not it too, but that one should stay out there. Here we go. Is this one? There it is. And now I got to get this. Oh, I'll learn one of these weeks. Kathy, thanks for watching. She says, if you're compiling the library you spoke of, oh yeah. I saw this question this morning and last night. And I was like, oh, I should write that down. I have so many things to add to this. Okay. This comes out of my, my, my hunch that it's not a bad idea in an age in which the digital white noise monster is so white noisy that you don't know what you're supposed to do when you walk inside your house. I mean, you do, you know what you're, you're shamed into doing, but you don't really know what the truth is that, and they're busy, like not only burning books, but then also trying to say, we'll put it all digital. Don't worry about paper ever. Just trust us. And then they're also taking books off of digital because they don't like them. Maybe having some paper books is good, right? Like that, maybe. Um, I'm saying yes, throwing the dice. So you don't have to build a library for civilization. I'm going to, and it's really not for civilization. I'm not, I don't think the library of Congress will burn just yet, but it's hard to get to. Right. And they may not have some of the books that are not allowed. So I, I want to, I want to have the books that are good. I don't care if they're not allowed. I'm not gonna go find the not allowed books on purpose. Although at the same time, it's like, it's like the statues of the, of the evil men that were torn down. Let's say general Lee's an evil man. Let's just say he is. And we know nothing else about his life. He's an evil man. And we have a statue of him, right? Oh, no, that's a statue of an evil man. That should not be there. Why? Because it's a statue of an evil man. Yeah, okay, it's a statue of an evil man. He's evil. But that's why it's there, is to remind us that he was evil. Don't be like him. Take it down. Why? Then we won't have any reminders of why not to be evil. Why, why would you do that? We need reminders of not, uh, to be good and not evil. Like, there you go, right? If you want to change the narrative about the man, fine, right? Tearing it down? Weird. Uh, so, you know, does Mein Kampf belong in your library? I'm not going to run out and buy a copy. It is like one of the largest selling books in history after the Bible, which is terrifying. But then again, if you want to not be Hitler, ought you not know what Hitler said? Like, if Hitler's a shadow of a straw man, you're like, don't be like Hitler. But you actually don't know what Hitler said, then how could you not be like Hitler? You would not know whether or not you were being like Hitler or not. And so to some extent, you do kind of have to know what the evil people said to not do what they did. Now, I'm not saying I'm not going to put my Kampf in my library anytime soon, but if I had a free copy, it would stay there. Why? I want to have books. My, my, my metric is this. My kids can have their own library. It's going to come and go. 
My library is books that alter worlds, right? Ideas that don't just have consequences. They demonstrate their consequentiality to you. They show you their value in their reading. You don't have to wonder if you pick a book off off the shelf in my library that I want to build, whether or not it will rock you. Okay. That's my metric. (laughs) Now there's different levels of rock and we're all diverse. And so you may not really be into the the symphony I'm composing. So that's good school too. But look, I just happen to have here with me today. uh, This was not even planned other than for a different thing I was doing. Um, This was for the, uh, the brief history of power um, video that I put up uh, in a Patreon only viewership, by the way, you could have seen it already if you were on Patreon. Um, But I wanted in the brief history of power to have this, this uh, kind of eclectic show of, if you're going to study power, if you're going to study history, where do you go? I mean, do you go to some book written by an American about Americanism? Is that how we learn history? Right? Do you go to like that, that chronology encyclopedia, you know, where like five guys got paid over 15 years to write a bunch of articles, but it's still basically their opinion? How do you learn about power? Um, and especially if you're going to be not about power per se, but about being a good person, a good person means acknowledging the self-control of your own power, whatever that might be, and using it for the good of others rather than yourself. I think it's a good reason to study the history of power, uh, period, especially biblically so. But now again, my library is not based on power. My library is based on rocking your world. But this is what I would call maybe then the power selection, personal power. You can call it that if you want. There's more to personal power. That is, how do I say I'm going to do something and make myself do it? How do I control my will? How do I exercise self-control? There is a human version of that. There is a, a spiritual, like the God's going to do it for you version of that. I'm not going to get into all that right now, but that's what like this pile makes me think about and work on, right? And it's it it's intentionally obscure because the thing about figuring out how to be a person is that it's not a bullet point checklist. And if you're trying to live that way, you're not being a person, you're being a robot. You don't want to be a robot. You don't want to have to look at a list to know what to do. You want to write a list to remind yourself what you ought to do. And then when you're where you are, know what to do because you already taught yourself to do it. Yeah? Again, I don't even know if this is a fair reading list, but it's the one I was showing off for that show. What do we got here? We got A Dance with Dragons, which is the final book of uh, the Game of Thrones series. I bought this nice leather copy uh, recently when I saw it. Oh, that's just too good to pass up. Uh, books one, two, and five are really quite excellent studies in the human condition. If you want to understand human relationships and hate, um, it's great for teaching that. Uh, there is also some real good in here, but why? Why is Jon Snow good? Why do you love him? Why is Rob not good? And yet, why do you care? Because he is good and not. He's such a fallen figure. There's so many fallen characters. And it lets, for me at least, then me ask, what is a good man? What does it really mean? If you're going to say, oh, don't worry that there's bad people. Right, there are. Um, but some of the bad people are the best people. And that's the weird thing. It's, it's like the prostitutes and harlots that Jesus is dealing with. Like, once they get it, they get it differently. Right? And so there's that. And right next to it, what else could you not have? And you got to have Lord of the Rings trilogy. Absolutely must have Lord of the Rings trilogy. I found this copy again at Barnes & Noble. I picked it up immediately. It's, oh my goodness, it's in leather bound. I can carry it in my pocket. That's amazing. Hobbit was included. All right. But then, what does that have to do with... How the Mighty Fall, Jim Collins. This is in the Good to Great series. So Good to Great, uh, um, what's the Great and Beyond one? It's not Great and Beyond. I've read most of them. Uh, and certainly the Good to Great is the, is the most uh, zero to one of them. Uh, but How the Mighty Fall, I found to be the most pertinent to church work immediately. Uh, how, why is it that a congregation is collapsing? Why is it that the financial numbers are, are having trouble? Why is it that the volunteers aren't there? Studying this book as a pastor can help you begin to see it's not just about the theology, although it is that too. But there's a there's a social condition, a organizational condition that is a really a loss of leadership, 
um, and a belief that leadership is something other than it is. So how the mighty fall really good. David Allen, making it all work. So do you want to be one step away from getting things done and not have to get things done and start more thinking about just what does life look like when I'm not running scared? This is a nice book. It's got the getting things done principles in it. Um, uh, the, the, if I write a book on notes, um, which I hope to, I have maybe three. We'll see again. That's a different story. Um, I have, a, I have a critique of Alan that I, I, I really think is a valuable one. So I, I want to say it now, but I don't think I'm ready for that. Um, but this, his work, David Allen's work is like the last decades level up for me. And Wolf Miller was the one who turned me on to this. So my level of project, I don't want to call him project, my level of a direction, life direction management. Um, when I picked up David Allen for the first time was, scattershot. It was like, I'll just jot some notes down on my calendar and just kind of keep going that way if I need it tomorrow. Right. And when I was working in an organization with more than just me, that was just not going to do it. Um, and so David Allen really showed how you can, you can gain back some time really and all of that and worry a little bit less about things. Tools of Titans by Tim Ferriss. I mean, if you like Tim Ferriss, that's great. If you don't, that's great. What he's been amazing at is showing there's lots of people out there you can learn from. So many people out there you can learn from and all sorts of topics and what Tools of Titans does is gives you like this like snippet all the way through of it. Um, It's the one you put on like your toilet. You know, and, and read that one in the morning kind of thing. Um, Dune, we already talked about a little bit. Gods and Heroes from Ancient Greece, a nice copy I picked up. A Constitution of the United States of America. I didn't even think about it until I saw it. I was like, you know what? I don't have one. Why don't I have one? What if they digitalize it? <laughs> you know, they take it away. It's always, it's like, it's like copies that they put out there anyway. Oh my goodness, whatever. And then down at the bottom where you can't see it, uh, good luck finding a copy of this one. For Better, Not For Worse uh, by uh, Walter A. Meyer the first book about marriage by the old Lutheranauer guy. So there's some right there. We got the Dungeon Masters guy. We got Frank Miller's 300. Those aren't quite as important. But okay, so, so my answer to your question then, which is, you know, what books would you put in your library is all of them. Whatever you think is important. Now, if you're looking for me to give you some theology resources and recommendations, I'd be happy to. I'd rather give you those in a um, more specific way, right? So what direction, what category of books are you thinking about that you would like? Because there's just too many. Just, I've tried before to put together, listen, these are the resources everyone, there's so many good ones. What are you curious about? What do you want to know more about? That's the book you should have. Um, uh, Wolfie did share this with me though. You know, Having a shelf in your library that's how to make electricity work and how to build things with electricity and or things powered by electricity in your house and make them work like that shelf's probably a good one. <laughs> yeah, you want that shelf. Um, but uh, I'll see. Uh, see if I can give you one more that was not in here. I mean, if you don't have broken echo without flesh, uh, you're missing out. Uh, but if there was something that I thought needed to exist in every library in the world, well, small catechism, if you don't have that yet, right? Your hymnal, if you don't have that yet, uh, it should be a family hymnal. Um, those are all more personal things in the library, though. It's such a good question. That's why I didn't like it. It's, it's too big. It's too stumpy. So hopefully you got what, what I gave you there, and it was a pretty broad spectrum. What was missing? There's no theology here. That was on purpose because um, the show is, again, not trying to—I don't want to hide the Christianity, but I don't want to like, shove it down your throat either. It's, it's on my chest, you know? Um, so, hmm— if I look over there at my library right now and I think, what am I proudest to have sitting on that shelf? Uh, let's find out.
I gave up. I walked around. Everyone, I'm like, well, that's it. And this is, they're all, none of them was the best one, though. So, uh, Kathy, um, I'm sure you've gotten some comments from me already, and I'm sure there's some in the side that have been uh, been given to you as well. So keep asking these questions. Just if you ask it in the future, get specific. Books about, uh, and I'll be able to help you a lot more because, frankly, there's just too many books of the making of many, right? There is there is no end. Oh, here we go with the big one from Sally. Sally says this. Would you please address the use of Bethel and Hillsong? This is the one I referenced earlier, LCMS worship, uh, in an LCMS church. It, for the record, uh, Bethel and Hillsong are large churches, uh, organizations that call themselves spiritual places of assembly with a loose Christian veneer. Debatable. The Trinitarian nature of at least one of these, I think Hillsong, uh, debatable and, and perhaps not even there at all, although I'd hate to be you know, accused of slander if I'm wrong on that, but I'm pretty sure it gets real squiggly there. That's concerning by itself. But really what you're asking then is, can we pull music from sacramentarian churches into sacramental churches and do so without thinking it will make a difference? That's really the question. And half the LCMS says, of course we can. And the other half the LCMS says, no, we can't. And we've been having that <laughs> having that talk for a while. Uh, it's not much of a talk. It's more of a, we're just going to do our own things. Um, so if you're in a church where they start doing this, then just know, well, they're just, just going to do it. Okay. That, that's the way it is. And uh, you, you're not going to change that. So my first thing is, you know, would I address this? Yes. Uh, if you want to not have this in your church, it's too late. It's too late. It's it's not going to go away. Um, very, very unlikely. F- please try talking to your pastor. He's probably a senior pastor. There's probably pre- three pastors on staff. They've been planning this for a long time. And this is part of the system. You know, it, it's not going to, it's not going to turn around on a dime. But your specifics. A few years ago, our church began offering praise worship twice a month. Mm-hmm. The worship needed to be moved out of the sanctuary into the fellowship hall in order to accommodate the electric instruments and amplifiers. Well, I've seen churches not say it needed to happen that way, but certainly that makes sense. And uh, honestly, if you really want to keep the sacred worship sacred uh, and the profane worship profane, yeah, you should have it in a profane place and and not in a sacred place. That is, uh, having all those guitars and instruments set up in a way that a band would do it in front would be distracting from those who wanted to use the chapel for a sacramental reverence ceremony. So it, it does make sense to move it. I don't know if the reasoning makes sense, but it also, when you move it, it demonstrates something. It really does. Uh, it demonstrates that you're doing something different. This is not merely a matter of new music. You've already shown that. The building doesn't work. You have to change it. Now, I'm all for advocating that there's some problems with our buildings and we should really rethink how we organize to gather as people of the word. Uh, I even think there's some medieval truth that we could rediscover about the value of not sitting down all the time. But you know, whatever, whatever, right? Uh, that's a different thing than we're going to introduce stuff right now. Don't worry about it. It won't change anything, but we can't be here. <laughs> Think twice. Now that we are doing online worship, praise the praise band is being included with a song at the end or at the beginning of the service. Okay. Usually Bethel or Hill song is given credit in the tiny print. Yeah. Okay. The, the good news is they don't really say much usually. Now, again, I can't speak to any of what you actually saw, but the, the value of the praise and worship music is precisely its meaninglessness. It gives the appearance of spirituality, but the substance is missing. That's not quite how Paul says it, but there's a text. You could look it up, right? Such things have the appearance of wisdom uh, and what they do for the body. Oh, you know, Um, and I'm actually, every morning when I pray the Lord's Prayer, my hands go up for a little bit. So I'm not against that either, but the, 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 the appearance doesn't mean anything. 
The appearance doesn't mean anything. And so, you know, these, these different forms of worship, these new measures, as Finney 250 years ago called them, right? They've been around a long time. All they do is divide and destroy churches. It's all it's ever done. It, it, it waters down the actual content of what's going on in the churches. Revivalism has never once done us any favors. In fact, you could even argue that what's going on right now, Western civilization, is revivalism continuing to just poke its uh, anarchist head up in different ways. But leaving all that aside, right? Um, it, it, it's also enough nonsense, enough meaninglessness in the praise and worship stuff. You know, Jesus, we love you. You're the Lord of heaven. Uh, God is in charge. We praise you. Come help us. Like, you're not going to go to hell because you believed that, right? There's, there's, I don't want to call it levels of heterodoxy. Um, there are different types of poop. I've learned this recently. I, I'm not kidding. I've had cats. They poop in litter boxes. They have a certain type of poop. It's large. Thankfully, it's in the litter box. Hmm. Uh, dogs, you don't want dogs pooping in the litter box or inside. It's a different type of poop. And I don't use a litter box myself. It's a different type of poop as well. What I learned most recently is that rabbits have the most awesome type of poop ever. It is kind of like Cocoa Puffs. In fact, it might be where Cocoa Puffs come from. I can't speak to that at all. If true, that's the kind of news that is. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I step on them all the time. I'm constantly stepping on poop in my house. It's ridiculous. And I don't mind because there's certain types of poop that, you know, it doesn't get stuck to my foot. It's like Cocoa Puff. I can pick it up and throw it in the trash and I'm going to wash my hands, whatever. You know, it's not a big deal. We're potty training him. He's going to be in the litter box. He mostly is it. She mostly is at this point. Any case, the point of this is that there's different types of poop, right? There's different levels of poop. And so if your church is like full on, uh, you know, Thy strong word bespeaks us righteous, a mighty fortress, and we're going to die 15, 17, you know, here we go, right? We're, 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 and I, don't, I don't mean the organization, I mean, we're, we're uh, Reformation to go, and then you're going to have this stuff thrown on in your, in your video on the back and the front. I mean, how is that different from what I'm doing? Um, I, I don't see a problem with that. However, however, to think that this is not going to become eventually the full show when it's the church itself is just to be blind to history. It becomes the full show. Uh, unless it is so weak and poorly done that it just can't get enough legs, the movement itself does not want to share the stage. That's why it moves. It wants the stage. Revivalism believes the stage is a sacrament, in a sense. The music is a sacrament. Anyway, so I'll, I'll try to, <laughs> I've already said enough, but um, uh, continuing on with, with your question then, right? It is my understanding that in order to abide by copyright laws, my church should be paying the Hillsong and Bethel churches every time we sing one of their songs. I believe that is true. Uh, most churches will subscribe to a service of some kind that kind of packages that all together for like 200 bucks a year or something. Um, and most churches will do that if they're at this point, although I've known churches that don't because, well, who's going to check up on them? And who even knows? In fact, a lot of people don't even realize that you can't just copy stuff off the internet. But, mm, you know, a lot of people do it anyway. So is the, is a law you don't enforce really a law? It's a different question, et cetera, et cetera. But you're right. You should be using copyright if you are printing stuff that is created by somebody else. And there are tools for that. So basically, we are supporting churches, which we, well, yeah, this is a good point, churches which would we would be considered to be teaching false doctrine. So by buying the copyright of their songs, you're sending money to their mission. Correct. But while I completely agree with you, the slippery slope here is one to be aware of. Right? Once you give your money a certain place, it's not like you can follow that money two more steps and then say, well, now I can't do this for a moral reason because over there that happened. Because whatever copyright company we're buying this through isn't just a church company. So by buying copyright to anything, right? So you're not even paying for Hillsong particularly, although maybe there's tracking on that and they're getting so much and whatnot. I'm sure, actually, I'm sure there is. But at the same time, um, you're part of this bigger 
conglomerate that they're still going to benefit from. So you're supporting the company that's supporting them. Can you do that? Right? This is the virology question still. Right? How many steps removed from the evil as a potential outcome should you worry about before you act? <laughs> and I'm going to say the first one and the Ten Commandments is where you go. So um, I'm not really as concerned about Hillsong making money from LCMS churches. Um, I, I'm more concerned about them not believing what they have is very good. And so they have to buy from somebody. I mean, it's like, can you imagine like Tesla comes through selling the indulgences and, and like, you know, Luther comes out and he's like, well, seems to be working. Everyone's listening to that guy. Maybe I should do that too. <laughs> you only do that if you don't think what you have is any good. And so the only reason you're doing this is your church has already given up on living, which is sad to me. It means they don't believe their history is, is worth holding on to to some extent. They believe that the Protestant history, which has demonstrated itself time and time again to be self-destructive uh, and, and anti-sacramental, they haven't thought about it enough. But I, I, when I say this, I mean, if you're watching, you're part of this congregation, I'm not mad at you. There's been a lot of lies told. Lots of them. Men are liars. That we didn't expect this as part of the problem. Like, shouldn't we know? Men are liars. The Bible says it, right? Men are liars. And so men in power lie for themselves. Okay, not surprising. With that happening then, don't you think that maybe when we're fighting with each other 50-50 in a church body, something else is going on. We're fighting about something that, that maybe is the scuttlebutt, right? And I'm not I'm on a side in this argument because I think that th there is a right and a wrong to this, but it's not whether or not you use a guitar. <laughs> this is ridiculous. That's what that's what the what the soundbite argument is made it about. I know that's the liberal tactic is always to make it about something that's not, so you can keep yelling and do it anyway. I, I get that, but the uh, the old liberal, the, the the true libertine mind or liberated mind is not not libertine. The true liber liberated mind isn't really concerned about change or challenges to things that are not essential, like the organ, but is desperately concerned, not about copyright licensing for some heretical church down in Australia. It's got more money they know what to do with anyway. Not, they don't care about our, our pennies that we're throwing their way. I'm concerned that we don't believe enough in ourselves to just do what we do and do it well and think it's going to work. And you want people to join your church and you have to change it to make that happen. Oh, interesting. At the very least, and this is the point of without flesh, are you better be changing it back then? If, if people aren't coming to church, and that's bad. We got to fix it. Something went wrong. Don't change it new. Change it back. Just stop around. Did you realize it had already changed? Did you know how much it changed the last hundred years in your church? Do you have any idea? Can you even find a copy of the original constitution? I had this happen recently. And I think I will share it gladly. It was a conversation I was having with someone about our church constitution, which I'm not a fan of. It's, it's bloated. It's bloated. It, it was made by people playing a game rather than people aware of the devil's potential to just destroy us and, and desire to do so by removing the word from our midst while we play games. In any case, we, we were talking about that and, you know, what, what's the solution here? And, you know, the, uh, the individual had mentioned, you know, we should get rid of it, get a new one, all this kind of stuff. And I like, well, that's a good idea. We, I hope we can do that. It's a plan is to study that. That takes a lot of time. But somehow it came up that we have a copy of our, it's not our original for sure, but it's close to it. It's, you know, early 1900s, um, St. Paul, Rockford, Constitution. And I said to him, um, tell you what, if we're going to scrap it in a moment and just put something else new in, we're still going to have to do some work on changing it, but let's do the old one. Let's go back to the original. And he looked at me like, why? Because <laughs> it's streamlined. <laughs> That's why. It's not a bloated mess. It actually is just the substance. And are there a couple things under church discipline that I think are a bit harsh? 
Yeah, they really are. I mean, can you imagine not going to church for a year and in order to commune again, you have to meet with the board of elders privately to plead your case to get back in? That was my congregation's constitution, right? And so again, if we're going to change from the from the people that built with blood and sweat buildings that will stand potentially until Jesus comes back, as opposed to our metal shafts we put up to save money so we can build better bathrooms. If we're going to change anything more, how about we try to be more like some of their first principle virtues, at least a generation ago, yeah? And in that then, why would you go and buy songs from anybody? Ever? Why would you not just sing the songs that have been sung to you and maybe write some new ones. You know, I, it seems a strange thing. Self-destruction is a, is a bizarre, it's a bizarre habit. Um, I believe both churches are tied with Joel Osteen. Yeah, yeah, surprise, surprise. Today's praise songs did not mention God, Jesus, or the Holy Spirit. Yeah, surprise, surprise. It was mostly about feelings. Mysticism is alive. It's there. It will always be there. Don't believe it. I Don't go to churches that can't teach you to discern the difference. I don't know what else to tell you. You know, come out from her. I don't want to be like, you know, Christian radio crazy guy who's like, don't go to church anymore. But you do have to think about where you go to church pretty carefully more and more because what's going to happen? Well, as social pressures of shame and status are brought to bear upon churches for not looking like the culture, and the churches have already said, we have to look like the culture to meet the culture, well, what game is going to be played? So unless you're in a church that's like, you know, the culture doesn't really have to look like us for us to be their friend. Um, unless you've got that as your substance, I don't see the next 50 years going real well for you. And you don't believe what you believe. You're going you're gonna to be a, a, a broken wick f- flickering in the wing, wind. So if you're a Christian, see the writing on the wall. Anybody who doesn't buy what they're selling in the first place has to buy it from someone else to sell it to you in a spiritual sense, right? Uh, if they aren't actually owning it themselves to give it to you, say, this is what we believe, we're never going to change it, no one's going to join you. And they know that. They can smell it. The only people shopping for these churches right now are people who want youth groups. They want safe places for their kids, which right now you can't even do to some extent, right? So COVID kills, COVID kills all the business plans of the big box churches. It really does. You got to hope COVID goes away for their sake, um, especially because it tends to lean non-sacramental, which means you're only going to be online and not worried that people haven't had the sacrament for three months. Well, that would mean you're not a Lutheran at that point if you haven't worried about it. Okay, that's all I'm saying. You can do it. You just have to worry about it. <laughs> if you've never worried about it, you do not confess the Lord's Supper. You don't. Otherwise, you'd be worried. Three months is passed, and wow, nobody? This is weird. We're not church anymore. Because <clears throat> locally, that's what it means. They gather to receive the apostles' teaching and break the bread. And I, I'm not saying that's what your church is doing. I don't know that, right? But like things like Hillsong, they don't have a problem with that kind of world. All they want is for you to listen to their music and pay the money. Um, they're just a band at the end of the day that calls themselves a church. Uh, today's praise song, you said that part already. Uh, Jesus is my boyfriend. Yep. Some of it borders on creepy. Yep. Are you familiar with these organizations or music? Yeah, not as much as I probably should because I don't have time to be angry. And the internet has so much evil and you just can't, right? Who was it? Someone sent me, you, you all send me so many awesome things and like to look at. Sorry. Can I do that one more time? Jeez. You send me so many awesome things to look at. I can't. I can't read every book. I can't look at every video you send me because I'm one human being. And that's what Mad Mondays is awesome for is it can shuttle it out there and somebody will read it. Like you found it and it's cool. Someone in this community will benefit from that. So that's awesome. But to go out individually and try to see everything on the internet, you just can't. And try to get every false teacher pinned down, you just can't. That's why Broken 
That's why broken. Uh oh, can I do it? That's why broken is a valuable resource. Broken will break down for you the distinction between rationalism, mysticism, and moralism, the three primary false teachings that the devil uses to remove your trust and justification for Christ's sake alone. The fact that you cannot die now and you're you're paid for and that he's coming soon, that trust gets it gets embezzled out from underneath you by mysticism, rationalism, moralism, three ways the devil tells you to trust yourself rather than what God has surely said. So if you are concerned about that, this book it's probably worth reading. It could be shortened. It's a little overlong. I was a young man with a lot of zeal when I wrote it. Uh, this coming year, my sermon series at St. Paul Rockford will connect it not without the one-year lectionary, uh, will be uh, following through some of the theology and texts within this book and doing that. So if you follow my sermons, which I try to stream on this channel as much as I can and whatnot, you'll see more of that coming this year. And hopefully by the end of it, I'll also have at least uh, a set of notes or a PDF, a shorter version that uh, if you're a Patreon fan, at least uh, you will be, you'll be getting that, my set of notes that'll come out of that. Um, that. That is at least a year away from now, but um, on that, by the way, let me just say to all of you who are out there who are Patreon supporters, you're so awesome because you have really supported me in being a creative producer. You have allowed me to simply ask, what's the best tool right now to try to get the gospel multiplied in the world, in its, in its, in its confession, right? To get the noise louder in the white noise. And you know, that's meant things like, well, we'll try YouTube. Well, we'll try a podcast. Well, we'll do this. Well, we'll do that. And you continue to stick with me and you continue to bind together through this. And I'm, I'm, I cannot tell you how grateful I am for that because the end result of it is that on this end, even though some things are like, let's go this way, let's go this way. I'm going to try over here. There, some of those are falling away, but what's, what's congealing as the actual platform is really sweet. Um, and it's all because you're letting me experiment enough to try enough things to say, okay, I'm going to discard all of this, but grab this piece right here. We're going to set this in here and make that into, again, what are we? What is us the chill? We're not a church. We're never going to be a church. Your church is your local organization of, or I really say local assembly of people that gets the sacrament from a called, that is a recognized pastor, a shepherd, right? That's your church. I'm never going to be that. Um, uh, is this a, a missionary to the internet? Yes, sort of, but it's not like, it's nothing that's ever been before. That's the problem, right? What was Luther when he wrote tracks and there had never been tracks before? What role, what vocation did he have? And why do you care? Why does it matter? Um, what matters now is that you would never think or confuse what I'm doing here for your church unless you actually happen to be a part of my congregation, in which case you should consider this part of your church, frankly. I mean, I'm, I'm here, I'm talking to you, you know, we're learning, all this kind of stuff. So, so there is that. Um, but this should never replace that at all. Um, we can't live without something like this, though. And it doesn't have to be mine. It doesn't have to be only one. But... Christianity does need to find ways to network up to have a voice. This happened under Nazi Germany. It was called Barman Declaration. It failed, um, as Lutherans look at it, for one primary reason. And if that's what it gets to, and we have to, we have to have that happen again, that's fine. But in the meantime, we cannot be quiet and sit by and not lift our voices and try to harness other Christians around us to at least shout into the white noise, he has risen. He has risen. You, you know, you are paid for. It. You cannot die now, uh, and he won't be long anyway, right? Uh, wh what a thing to try to equip Hillsong to put in a song. Wouldn't that be great to trick them into making a song on that over time? Take us ten years at least. Could be done. So, so. Uh, yeah. I made that one go away. Um, 
I'm going to go back to the sin. The, the worship question, just it's just never going to go away. And it frustrates me because every time I answer it, I tell, I say, we're asking the wrong question. It shouldn't even be a question. The change that has been implementing revivalism has always been radical change against the majority within the group saying, let us have a little bit. It's always done that. I can't look at that and not think the devil's underneath that somewhere. And then you go and you study Finney and you see what he said about mankind and you see how his practice is what he said. And then you just can't do it that way. That doesn't mean you can't have a guitar playing thy strong word. But that's not what people generally are doing. Now, some of them say, oh, that's what we're doing. Okay, but then you're buying your music from Hillsong, right? Um, you're not writing music. You're not pioneering. There's no real pioneering going on. There's parodying going on. And again, anytime any local congregation or pastor thinks it has to parrot in order to convince, you don't believe what you have. You should be able to do it on your own, right? And then, sure, at that point, can you network together and have other people? Yes, Absolutely. But not because you're going, because you know, you're you're abandoning the substance because you need their not substance so badly. That's the threat. And it doesn't matter if it's music. It doesn't matter what it is. If you abandon the substance for the frosting, it's only a matter of time until all you got is frosting. And that goes back to the sugar conversation earlier. Um, Ryan says, maybe we should set aside a large physical space in America where all people that believe in secular utopia can be together as the fastest way to cure them of it. I was thinking North Korea would work for that. But, or... or China. You know, I, I did have this thought. Uh, well, I had this thought on two levels. I thought, first, all the people who want socialism in America, we should just ship them to China. Here's a ticket, go. right? Pay them reparations on the way. Here's your cash. Land in China. Have fun. Yeah. Um, but I had another thought. Why don't like, just all the Lutherans move to China together? I mean, they did it a long time ago. I don't want to do this. I just bought land. It'd be way too much work. But like, wouldn't that be weird? <laughs> you know, or just just outside of China, across the border, where you could watch and maybe talk to people, you know, and learn Chinese and speak the gospel that he is risen. We don't even think like that anymore. I don't want to necessarily do it. Someone should though. Why not? Get a group of fifteen or forty five people together, ten families, just move to China. Do it. Let's let's ordain you and send you. Go to the Sam. I mean, go to the Sam, do it. They won't let you. Our system won't think that way. But why not? That's how we got here. That's how we got here. All right. So uh, migration is not something I'm necessarily advocating you do. I am advocating you live in a world where migration is possible for your faith. That's what I'm advocating. Uh, Ryan, you know, yeah. But meanwhile, is, isn't Portland doing that? No, because the news won't report on it. If news would just show everybody what's going on in Portland, we'd be like, yep, let's not do that. <laughs> this doesn't work. Uh, but instead, it's they're using it to try to get you to vote a certain way in November because they know that the only step that matters is your unhappiness. And if you're unhappy with the president, you'll vote the other way as a nation, not you individually, but the nation will. And they just they, they believe a weekend at Bernie's. They believe Bernie, racist Bernie, if we don't let him talk, will win on the basis that we can shout that Trump is bad loud enough that people believe it. That's it. I don't care if Trump is bad. You don't believe it because he is bad. You believe it because the system is working between two poles to try to gain power and it's going to use every tool in his basket to do it. And meanwhile, we poor plebs on the bottom have our lives absolutely getting destroyed by this. Me, not as much as a lot of you, but I know I'm watching and I care about it. So... I don't know, man. That's, that's, I mean, this is all, this is not Christianity so much other than my love for my neighbor, but, but this is a real disturbing thing. 
Like, you should be able to see the video that Andy Ngo is posting every night from Portland, from multiple sources, on the ground, and realize this is not a peaceful protest. This is a terrorist organization. This is a... It's a civil war on the on the ground. I mean, it's a Portland civil war. It's not a U.S. civil war. They want it to be. Antifa wants it to be. Um, it's a New York civil war. It's a city civil war. But it really is. So you watch the video. This civil war in which in which if the cops aren't allowed to shoot. It's amazing. If there was actually a war, like if, if, if for one second it was like, all right, this is violence. You're threatening our sight with your lasers. These are real bullets. Disperse. I don't know. I'm not going to say I'm going to advocate that because that would be what Antifa wants. Antifa wants that to happen. That's why they keep doing this. And when it does happen, they'll point to it. And half of the news will say that the police started a war, right? It's the, it's the shot her around the world, right? You know this history? The shot her around the world? Who fired that shot? Oh, God. We still don't know who fired that shot. That's, that's a revolutionary war right there. Do you want that right now? I don't want that right now. I'm, I'm happy not having a land war in America at the moment. So, <clears throat> I don't know what to say, Ryan. It makes me worried. It makes me, here's what I really think, though. The more I talk to Coons, the more I'm encouraged. This is a big country, and just because stuff's going on in this country doesn't mean it's going on in your country. That is in your neck of the woods, your county. County is one letter away from country. So it's not that it couldn't get to you. And I know that down in Rockford, there have been arrests both weekends, the last two weekends, after having a lot of not that for a while. Um, that's disturbing. But the arrests of eight people in Rockford who were, in fact, trying to get arrested and then resisted arrest after being arrested to create a violent scenario in order to make news, right? I'm not as worried about that here because all the people driving around flying flags, they don't think it's real either. Now, does Rockford have some real issues? Yes. And we can get this nonsense over with. I can get back to trying to make something happen in my neighborhood because I want to go down there and help that neighborhood. This It's like six miles away. There's a Boys and Girls Club of America that needs to be open this fall so that the kids can go and have some care in their lives. Oh, no, but Orange Man bad. Masks don't, oh, don't go to school. We can't, no matter what. Even if Europe says it's all different than what everybody says over here. What are you supposed to do? We weren't even going to talk about this this morning, guys. Thanks, Ryan. <laughs> what are you supposed to do? What are you supposed to do? You do what's close. Do what's near. Talk to your pastor. Talk to your friends. Talk to your elders. Keep having conversations. Figure out what you as a community witness together in your community and then act according to the Ten Commandments to bring peace and order through whatever authority exists to that area. Do that. Uh, that was a good answer. Do that. Uh, uh, now you know the rest of the story. Good day. Super chat from Mr. Scott. That would be Paul Harvey. Paul Harvey, a name that will probably not be remembered. I cannot really do a Paul Harvey. Very good. But I can kind of do a Paul Harvey. Uh, and, and now you know the rest of the story. That was pretty bad, Paul Harvey. Oh, man. That was back in the days when, like, I believed the propaganda that public radio, NPR, was a way to educate yourself. They really are good at it. Everything they do makes it sound like they're educated. Everything. And it's so just manicured all the way through, which how you know is bourgeois. Right? It's not plebe because it's manicured all the way through it. And the amount of money, you can tell how much money is behind something by the level of editing that goes into it. The high, I mean, I could get you a pretty decent sound out of this and what's going on, right? But it's nothing like, you go listen to professionally produced podcasts and watch those shows, oof, oof, stuff's going on, right? Money. A lot of money. Uh, and so NPR, a lot of money funded by the government. 
And it was the day it was. The, I was shooting baskets. It was on Vickers. I was shooting baskets outside. Had my car door open because I listen to NPR and shoot baskets. I'm an enlightened individual. I'm I'm educated. And so you know I'm gonna shoot baskets and listen to NPR. And it was like the third day in a row that a pro-choice like idea was being just kind of flaunted out there as normative. And I, I was like, you know what? I'm done with you. Just done with you. Uh, but are we? Are we? Have we been? Which ones? How do you shut it off? You turn me off yet? Do you know my goal is to get you to turn me off? Really? Really? I want you to read my books. Keep buying my books. Keep supporting me, but don't watch. <laughs> Someday. I don't know if that's true. I want you to listen. I want you to watch. I want you to be part of the community, but I really want you to not watch much. I want you to know that this drug in your eyeballs, if you're listening, it doesn't count. The drug in your eyeballs is a drug. And if I can convince you it's a drug, you manage it yourself. But I need to convince you it's a drug because you don't think it is. It's a drug worse than this one is. It's like on the level of heroin and you're addicted. We all are. They made us watch it as babies. <laughs> you know? But you don't have, it, it is not as addictive as heroin in this way. Habitually it is, but in this way, uh, in terms of being able to stop, it's as bad as heroin pulling you back in. Like you can't get out and never get pulled back in. Like you're going to, if it's there, you're going to do more kind of thing. Um, but you can, as a Christian, have enough self-control to regulate your TV dosages, uh, your, your shining screen dosages. And I'm not saying be perfect at it. I'm not saying set goals and measure your righteousness by it. I'm telling you, you don't have to let it run your life. That's what I'm telling you. It, it does not have to. And the, and the sooner you believe it's a drug, the more you'll be able to work your way out of that. And, and then the sooner you believe it's a drug and start writing down what people say and then asking later, was that true? Why would I believe that? What is the assumption behind what they've said? Who's paying for it? Que bono benefits um the, the more that you can do that uh, not only are you just going to get smarter you're going to feel better about life straight up and then when i talked this morning about like so lifelong depressant lifelong depressant i mean I, I i i was taken to shrinks as like a little kid and who knows why i'm not going to go into all my da- my shadows and details but i can tell you that there is not a time in my life that i remember not feeling soul pain i don't know what else to call it no, uh, my daughter called it scars, but I think it'd be there even without the scars. Soul pain. It's just pain. I just have pain. Okay. Why? I don't know, but I've, I've learned this now. It's connected to my fear more than reality. That what hurts me is not reality, but my fear of reality. And then my imagining of the fulfillment of those fears projected on the reality. Now, this is not like I'm fighting monsters at the elders meeting, although, <laughs> Maybe a little bit. Uh, it's, it's, it's more like the amount of adrenaline and adrenal fatigue I create out of fear of being, what, emotionally hurt in some way by other human beings, shamed in the culture, embarrassed, vulnerable, all these things. The amount of adrenal stress, fight or flight that I put myself into on a regular basis for that, that is not good for me. That causes pain. Maybe, this is just me for me. You, you take what you will. This is me and my own psychological self-awareness experiment as a 42-year-old. I'm wondering if it's not that I'm always in pain, but I'm always afraid. And if I counter the fear, not with fear is the mind killer, which is a cool phrase, but doesn't help much. But with he is risen, you are paid for. You cannot die now. It doesn't make the pain go away. But it's better than living in fear. It's better than living in fear. Do I have anything left from you guys? I think I do. Hold on. Come over here. What do we got? What do we got? Um, did we do this one? Yes, we did. 
And did we do this one? Yes, we did. Did we do this one? No, I didn't. Here we go. All right. Justin says this. I watched your most recent SM Chill. Thank you. <laughs> In which a viewer mentioned that comic book heroes weren't practically heroic or good anymore and questioned why it was like that. This answer, by the way, this is so awesome. And uh, if we don't have uh, everyone who's who, who's on the network, if we don't have an Illuminati shot this week going out in Mad Mondays, this should, should really be there. So great insight, Justin. And it's a nerd insight. So if you're not into like fiction, sci-fi, all this kind of stuff, comic books, it may not be that important. But it is because all of the arts in our civilization are tied to each other. I can recommend two more books for your library on this. Postmodern Times by Gene Veith and Saving Leonardo by, I forget, you'll find it, Saving Leonardo. Both of them are about how nothing that's going on in production in our civilization is separated from the philosophical ideas behind our civilization. That is, what people were arguing about in philosophy class <laughs> uh, 50 years ago is what people are drawing and making movies about today. And it just happens, it, 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 especially if the schools are teaching these thoughts, they take time to trickle down into the area, in, into the world around us. So there's nothing going on in comic book industry that's not going on in the modern art industry, that's not going on in the movie making industry. There are different levels of that. There are different trajectories and scales of like when you're falling apart, how you're falling apart. But as a whole, they are reflecting certain worldviews that the whole society is doing. This is why art in the Middle Ages was all about Jesus. It's because it was, at least at a surface level, a Christian reality. And so people that were paid to make art made art about Jesus. It didn't mean they believed it, but, but they made art about Jesus. Now we don't have that. Okay, so... What you see happening with the Watchmen, though, here in comics fits directly into postmodern times, saving Leonardo, abandonment of truth, Nietzsche's philosophy working itself out in American postmodernism, uh, you know, and Derrida, right, being part of that too. So, so it's this is great. This is absolutely great stuff. You could. It doesn't matter what your industry is. It doesn't matter what your art form is. I should really say might matter on industry, but maybe not. It doesn't matter what your art form is for sure. It's going to face the same challenges that this comic book industry is facing here in the current climate. So here's what he says. Um, bah, 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 bah. So the problem is that now, not Marvel Timeline Universe movies, Captain America, Iron Man, we're not talking about that. That's a different era of comic books. The current era of comic books is the era of dark heroes that are just dark. They're not even necessarily that great. Um, and this is connected to, he says, you, know, you can blame Alan Moore as the Watchman. Or, or Watchmen. Alan Moore did Watchmen, did Dark Knight. He was known for his, what, noir <laughs> take on everything. Um, genius storytelling and in the watchman or watchman what he did was he questioned you know who watches the watchers if the, if the superhero is a bad man right and this is the captain america question because captain america comes out of a 1940s america that i want to be captain america but the men who were teaching and leading captain america in the real world were stealing from us and still are you know there's a difference between a good old boy and a yankee <laughs> uh, and it has nothing to do with racism or the south and it has everything to do with uh people who own the land and people who are made to work the land even if they think they're free. And uh, that reality hasn't gone away. And I'll tell you, I, well, I own a little bit of land now, finally, but I work it. <laughs> I work it. Uh, so uh, who's watching The Watchmen? If there are no good men, are there heroes? That's the real question. And since we've learned in civilization from World War I, that's the philosophy conversation, the Western civilization, is it worthy to stand or fall? We've learned from World War I, there are no good men, we are all are evil men, um, and that hit everything in the arts afterwards. Now, of course, can there be anything like Captain America, or do you only have, is he the clown? I forget who he is. And do you only have some you know, scientist who just blows up the world and doesn't care? Or do you only have some crazy guy who sees it all coming and no one will listen to? It's a great story, by the way. I mean, it really is. But then what happens? And this is where, this is industry. This is not comic books. This is what happens when you institutionalize. You get more concerned about the money than about the thing. 
And so you change the thing. Video game industries had the same thing happen. Everyone's trying to be like, uh, I forget what the first one, Fortnite. Everyone wants to be, you know, a, a massive multiplayer shooter, you know, with this goofiness and all this stuff going on. And there's all sorts of other genres that could be played with. The same is the case here. We just have to have nothing but dark heroes. So uh, as you say, Watchmen's a great work in its own right. The whole story is a deconstruction of the superhero genre. Yeah, and it's, it's a genius piece of work, and it belongs in the canon of historical understanding that sees that good men are not possible in perfection. In perfection. Uh, but that doesn't mean that you cannot strive for goodness in the midst of the darkness, and that's, that's what's lost, right? This was lost if you don't move on past this, but the problem is no one can think, except Christians, enough to move past this, and so they're all trying to replicate it because they just want to make it just like the Watchmen so they can... Like, they, they think that the trick to being a master is not to do something no one else is doing, but to imitate the master. The trick to being a master is to learn what the master is doing so you can do something different with it. That's how you become a master. You don't become a master by becoming a mimic of your master. You become a master by imitating your master unto who you are. Oh, it's just the created order. It's the way we're made to be. What does a son do to his father? No matter what you say, Dad, I'm going to do what you do. I'm going to do what you do. Yeah. Uh, so, Dad, what you doing? Yeah, that kind of thing. Uh, oh, there's so much here. So good. So, so yes. Uh, the, uh, the, the industry then, I just said, I gave away your thunder here. Uh, he says, that's not problematic in and of itself, except that the fact that the comics industry has been trying to deconstruct the superhero ever since because everyone wants to write the next Watchmen, right? So, like, so oh, someone made a deconstruction superhero comic book. And it sold really well and changed the world because nobody else was doing it. No one was thinking that way. So we should just do that always and nothing else. And then everyone will buy that. Okay. You've never studied supply and demand. You have no idea. How is it that so many people who think they're into business don't even know supply and demand? I mean, you want to talk about, you know, should you get another $1,200 paycheck from the, from the government right now? You, we don't want it long-term. We really don't. It's, it's small now. It's big later. You do not want this. The first one, I, you know, I, I really didn't want it either, but it was big and okay, fine. I'll take it. But we, we do not have the demand for the dollar to keep supplying it without actually creating more demand from it. And that means production from this country, which we've been shipping overseas for a while. And now we're whew, speaking of Amazon, um, not kidding. Actually, uh, uh, it, we've been shipping, uh, production overseas for a while. So, right, so what do we do? Just keep it taking out debt. That is what most American families just do, right? Just keep it taking out debt. Oh, it'll, it'll never come due. That's a bad idea. And it's not Christianity for sure. Um, you know, I, the blind lead the blind, they both fall into a pit. Don't dig your own grave. There's a lot of things to say about that. Bringing it back to the superhero genre, trying to imitate is not the way to create. You imitate to learn, and then you create with what you learned. You don't want to write down information to have to look at it. You write down information to know it. Right? It's, it's, it's a whole different level of thinking, um, and it's, it's especially set free by the conscience when you know the grace alone reality that lets you just embrace it. Right. So today I am different than I was yesterday. Today I must think and write about Jesus to believe again. I must awaken my spirit one more time with the words of scripture. They must come into me and fill me. And I must do battle one more time against the white noise. And in that, then I can go and I can find the watchman. And I can say, that was amazing. What did it do right? And what do we need now? Which I already gave you the hint to what the stories need right now. You need a hero. You need Cap all over again. You, and that's what Marvel did with the, the movies, thankfully. But but what make what made Captain America and Tony Stark? Everyone else around them too in the Marvel timeline movies. What made them so special? Two things, two different things, and the same thing. They're both good men. You have two arcs 
through the story of these two guys. They're the main guys. Thor is not done yet, right? But these two guys are done. They finish in the first, the first phase. And one of them starts as a bad man. That's Tony. One of them starts as a good man who can't do anything. Because he's weak. And that's Cap, right? And their stories are about a bad man becoming a good man. It's awesome. He dies just like Jesus. Saving the world. <laughs> it's awesome. And, and a good man staying a good man. Uh, Civil War, even. Against that bad man who was going to become a good man and had the right intentions but was doing it so wrong, right? Uh, yeah, Team Cap, for sure. But, point being, what was that? That was heroes who were flawed, which is what Stan Lee did and injected into the comic book industry that made the Golden Age come about. It took us from the original Captain America, there are no flaws, to the Spider-Man who has flaws. But now, again, Watchmen said, what if all the heroes are only flawed? But again, while that's a genius work and the question to ask to critique 1940s Americana, hello, Fallout, you know, um, it, it is not the solution. The solution is that if you are a bad man, become a good one. And yes, you're right. Christianity, you cannot make yourself believe. But frankly, if you are a man who steals, you can stop stealing. You don't have to become a Christian to do that. <laughs> uh, become a good one. And Christianity is not just a path. It is the path to guarantee that this will happen to such an extent that one day— the body you're standing in right now will suddenly flicker into lightning-like immortality. Still a body, still you, everlasting on a new paradise. It's a cool end game. You don't have to own it. It just happens. What you own now is the battle today, which is its own game, which is to journey, enjoy the journey, and not forget it's not about the journey, but the people with you so you can share what you have with them. Christianity is a pretty sweet religion. Why do we make it so hard to talk about? And why, why do we make it all about guilt all the time? It, it's about no more guilt. I'm not saying there's no more sin. I'm not saying we don't confront sin. I'm not saying we don't preach against sin. I'm saying there's no more guilt in your devotion. That's the freedom. Yeah. And do I still have guilt? Yes, I do. What do I do with it? I believe there's no more guilt in my devotion, and I leave it in Jesus' hands. And amazingly, that's sufficient for the conscience. Uh, if you add to, the, uh, to this, going back to the comic books, the deconstructionist tendency, things like cultural Marxism and the intersectional politics, you get very bleak and or shallow stories at best. I'm sure you do. I bet it's, it's as preachy as it can get, right? It's just like pure propaganda. Well, if I, if I saw like an, an AOC one that got me. Jeez, the, the, whatever. Well, what does that mean? What does all this mean here? This idea, I, and I just said it's about every industry. Every industry in the arts is bankrupt. It's not just bankrupt because it's morally bankrupt. They now have no good stories to tell because they've lost the ability to tell truth. They don't believe it exists, so they can't tell you a good story. So what does that mean for you as a young Christian? It means that it is wide open. And all the tools to make good stories are at your fingertips. You don't even need to make movies, but you can. You can do it all in your living room, right? And why not? If it's good enough, start now. <laughs> you got 70 years to figure it out. You'll do fine. The tools are there. Unless, of course, they shut us all off and we have to live on plants in the backyard and shoot buffalo to survive. Well, that'd be fun, too. Then it's just more like Fallout than you wanted. <laughs> but I don't think that's going to happen. I think this ball's going to keep spinning. I think life might be a little more third-worldy in some parts of the U.S. than we thought was possible. But that's what happens when you get cities that come together where evil men are able to keep others poor by lying to them in groups. I don't know what to say. It's kind of the definition of a city in some ways. Uh, and not that that's bad or I wouldn't – you can't live in a city as a Christian. You can. You just kind of don't know what it is, right? And one more on that, come back to uh, Brief History of Power with Kuntz. He's the one that hates cities. I just kind of think they might be – not safe right now. <laughs> oh, dear heavens. Lord, have mercy on all of us. I saw another super chat go through. I want to make sure I don't miss it. We are creeping up on the end of the day. Uh, let's let's take us over to a different screen to do this, though. So I don't have to lean to the side anymore. Ugh. 
Uh, Carl says this. Hey, Pastor Fisk, have you checked out Order of Man podcast on the YouTube channel? Podcast on the YouTube channel. Uh, some... Some things he talks about with life go along with things you tend to talk about. Great stuff. So a rec here from Order of Man podcast. No, I'm not familiar with that. Uh, and I don't know, is that uh, Christian? Is that just sort of like a manliness thing and all that? Um, I know not. I know not. Uh, thank you very much for that super chat. You know, it always gets to this point in the day where I'm like, oh, it's over. I was so nervous. I was so like, oh, I got to keep it going for two hours. And, and it's over. I'm like, oh, I want another hour. We might stick around here for a minute. Let's see. Uh, I'm buying a new Bible today. Hopefully, it's the last one I buy. EHV, NSAB, ESV. I'm going to tell you buy a new King James Version. It's the one I just bought. I got convinced by a bunch of prices. If you don't know the prices, you can blame them. But uh, Wolfmuller's been on NKJV for a long time. Um, and I just, I'm just so done with the vanilla ESV's mangling of the middle. It's a mushy middle translation. I don't know what else to call it. Um, and so, uh, that's where I'm going. EHV, I'm really, they did a great job. I can't read it. I tried it. It's just, it's for me, it doesn't do it. I'm going to go back to NKJV. It is effectively the KJV minus some archaic language. It is not going to change all the time the way a lot of other Bibles do. By the way, the ESV official text is changing on a regular basis as they tinker with it. Um, so like you want to memorize Bible verses, you can't be on the ESV anymore. Uh, so NKJV will not change. And my family and I are considering pacting that we'll, we'll keep NKJV as our family translation for a hundred years and then reassess. <laughs> That's just us, right? Um, I, but I, I recommend, uh, EHV. No, I, mean, I do. I'm thankful for the EHV. I re- recommend as your personal use, the NKJV, if you're going to buy one today and make it nice and leather. In fact, if you look on Etsy, you can find a really sweet, I'll try to find this and put it in Man Mondays. I ordered a really sweet um, leather-bound Bible. It was $85 because I had it imprinted with my confirmation verse in Greek on the front. Uh, but it's my Bible I'm going to use the rest of my life. Uh, and so I'll try to... Uh, Someone who's on my team, make sure we don't forget to put that as a rec, uh, that, that maker on Etsy, because I'd love to send business their way. Um, and I'd love to have you guys just overload that person with the business and say where you came from, too. Uh, so, uh, Jenna Knight, Cringewalker, wants me to keep talking. So he said this, uh, just going to shill the Foundations podcast. You inspired me to join some lads in Wales and start a podcast on architecture and esoteric methods of construction. For God. That's awesome! I'm sorry, that probably hurt your ears. You're going to try to build cathedrals when everything else isn't working. That's so cool. So you're, you're setting up the library for when you want to build cathedrals again in 500 years when we're like, you know, living in jungles and caves. That's great. I love it. It's good. Plan for the future. Why not? Oh, but foundations, think of how many things you're going to learn from that. It's not about building a cathedral, but if you can build a foundation in the ground, dear heavens. So I bought this land here. I got an acre. It's a good house. I'd love to expand it. I'd love to do it myself. I'd love to make enough money, just have someone do it too. Whatever. None of that's very likely. (laughs) But maybe some things could be. But I'll tell you what's the biggest thing that will keep me from doing what I would love to do, which is to just kind of expand this and beautify it and make it into an amazing place as best as I can with my own hands. Foundations. Foundations. How is the magic? It's the magic. How do you make the house not sink? It's the magic. So I'm curious. Um, uh, would you, uh, Jedi Knight, could you send a link to your podcast, that one, um, uh, through the contact page so I can try to find it? I could do it anyway, but there's just too many pieces of information. I hope you'll understand. I hope you all are patient with me. When you when you data mine for Jesus, and I'm not even the one on the front lines. I'm just I'm just the commander saying go frisbee go. <laughs> when you data mine for Jesus, um, at a certain point, the most you get is like the tagline and the title, and you have to judge from that and the wreck, and and that's it. But the the reason that you've got me, I want to listen to this one is not because you're doing it. 
It's because what I just said, it actually hit me where I want to be. I would love to know the secret of building a foundation with my bare hands. I have a, a, a lakefront little strip. I only got about 10 feet on the lakefront up here. And uh, it's not, there's other parts of the lakefront that are awesome. They have like a wall and all this really cool stuff. And mine is just kind of like a bunch of, bunch of junk, <laughs> a bunch of reeds. And so like, how would I put a wall there? I want to do it, right? Um, I want to do it with my hands. I don't want to pay someone to do it. Um, I, I mean, I got to pay someone to bring rocks somehow, but. So what happened, Jedi, uh, Knight, Anakin, Cringewalker? Why am I interested in your podcast personally now? Because you hit me where I am, right? You hit me with what I want to know. And this is the value of here comes everybody, Clay Shirky-esque internet creation, is that there is a market for what you're curious about. Not only does it already probably exist to some extent, if it doesn't, you create it, somebody wants it, somebody will find it. I've been looking for, for a couple of years now for a good Dungeon Masters podcast for D&D. Not one that does a bunch of random stuff, but just is like, you know, 30 minutes every week of some tips for keeping the table moving, right? Like, how great would that be? And I know maybe that's not for you, but again, what is for you? If you want to do this kind of thing, if you want to start a dialogue, if you like long-form understanding, if you want to read some books, take some notes, have a conversation, and have other people join you, well, then you got a microphone and a computer, start a podcast on whatever is interesting to you, and then do it. And don't say you have to do it for Jesus, but realize that Jesus will be involved. I promise. So thank you, Jenna Knight. That's awesome. You do it. Go make, beautify, do more good, all that kind of stuff. All that kind of stuff. Um, oh, I, since I mentioned KJV, and Matt says this here with the—, the um, uh, I mentioned New King James, and Matt says KJV. Uh, why would I not recommend the KJV as your regular translation? Have you tried reading Paul? It's great for the Psalms. It's beautiful. Uh, go read Romans 9. <laughs> you know, work, with, work with what? 1 Corinthians 7. Um, it, it's, it's just, it's another language. It's a foreign language. So the King James is a beautiful translation. And if you want to read a foreign language and work at it the way you would need to work at Greek, then do it. I'll give my time to Greek myself and take the NKJV, which is effectively the same. The other issue is you are going to run into some real errors in the, in the new King James. Unicorns, salamanders, mythological misunderstandings. Let's just say that. And you know what? I'm not about believing that there was a unicorn somewhere in the world once upon a time. So you don't need to argue about that. I'm pretty sure the verse that's being translated that way is not quite on <laughs> in the King James. So there's just, there is some worldview hiccups from the Middle Ages in the King James. The new King James will not be perfect either, but I, I consider it actually in our language. Whereas again, I'd say the King James being Victorian English is not American English. It's not British English. It is a different language. Studying it. Awesome. Have a family copy. Awesome. Uh, reading it sometimes together. Awesome. Your personal daily carry devotional study. Awesome. Harder. That's all. Much harder. All right. Um, well, 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 well. Uh, did Mom Monster have a super chat that I needed to get to? Did I miss it? I got Carl. Uh, I got Michael. Uh, we got Paul Harvey. <laughs> What's this one here? Oh, we just got a super chat straight in like this. I missed this one. Here's Kinderhand. Kinderland says uh, from Kinderland. Kurdenland. Kir- where is that? Kir- I should be able to figure that out, shouldn't I? Kurdenland. Kurdenland. Where is that? Cool. Awesome. Kurdenland. Uh, am I pronouncing that right? Kirtenland. Sorry, I'm trying to pronounce it. It's really cool. It sounds is it, uh, Latvian, maybe. Um, that's awesome. And again, uh, Mom Monster, I'm sorry if I missed you. Thank you for always being here. You're awesome. Uh, I'm going to scroll back again and try to find it. Hear the birds. Uh, yeah, we got that one. Got that one. Oh, Conan. Oh, 
I am so thankful that I'm enough of a man. I mean, I don't yet have Chuck Norris watching every week, but Conan the Destroyer does in fact watch my show. And I'm very proud of this. He lives in a different dimension. He has to battle lizard people and stuff, but we battle lizard people here in our own way. More on a brief history of power about that. But uh, it's good to have Conan on the team. That being said, here's what Conan says. Conan the Destroyer says, since self-publishing is so easy these days, do you think it's a Lutheran collective? We could work together to publish remote fiction from a Christian worldview. Okay, yes. Mad Christianity is a publishing collective. That's what we are. We exist to promote your stuff. It's got to be about Jesus. It's got to come through us. I will not promote it if I think it could be better. (laughs) But the whole point, the whole point is to inspire you all, creative, productive, good people, to do stuff. And we want to promote it and share it. So yes. And and what does the MAD Network as it exists, uh, as um, people that are volunteering right now, if you're not in that kind of crew yet, um, what do they do? What they do is they uh, exist as an alt social community online that's filled with people who like to think about their faith and want to do stuff with it talk about it and sometimes partner together to do it. If it rises high enough that I get involved, we stamp the Mad Christian label on it and we will release it when you get it done. Yeah, um, We'll put it through our various editing and whatnot. And if we have to find more people or the timeline is not quite what we want it to be, but yes is the answer. Yes. That is what the rest of my life and all of this is given to is creating the platform by which you may promote your Christian art, whatever it is. Uh, so, uh, I will even, but you can't tell anybody, but I will tell you that underneath all the brands, all the brands that exist that I've kind of mad Christianity and power and, and uh, you know, stop the white. Those are all various brands to try to get into different communities with the information. The agenda is to build Dark Shore Comics. Dark Shore Comics. I'm not going to say more than that, but everything else is to build Dark Shore Comics. And a comic is a book. It's just a book with some pictures in it. And frankly, uh, I think we need more of those, don't we? <laughs> it doesn't matter if it's a comic book, a, a graphic novel, or just something like your King James Bible for the family. Uh, you know, we need more. So my answer is yes, please uh, join the network. And on, on that level, how do you join the Mad Network? Okay. So we're, we're past showtime. Um, if you want to leave, you know, obviously you want to leave. But 116, that's a nice high right there. Um, and two negatives. <laughs> uh the plan is okay, so behind the scenes. How do we manage everything? We've been managing most of what we do through an app called Marco Polo. Uh, Marco Polo allows you to video chat very quickly. It's kind of like Snapchat, but different. Uh, we've tried to find an alternate resource because recently Marco Polo made you start paying for it and we don't want people to have to do that. It also has some flaws in it. And we'd like a place that interacts a little bit better between your computer and your phone if we're going to try to bring other people into a working network. Also, at a certain point, the Marco Polo uh, channels that you have to create, it just gets clunky. So we've been looking for, oh, I'd say, probably a month, a month and a half now trying to figure out what is the answer to try to continue to build this network to interface with the Lutheran Layman Local Action Network, which is still a thing. That's not going away. You just got to give us some time to lay foundation work. But if you're planning to start a men's group in your church, stay tuned and go ahead and just start one this fall. Start a men's group. Do stuff, right? Be ready so that when the stuff from Lutheran Layman's Local Action Network comes out, you're ready to go. Um, uh, so th- that's all happening too. Uh, that-, that made me... <laughs> That made me lose my train of thought, though, to go off on the Lutheran Layman's Local Action Network. Um, I'm going to bring it back then just to the comics. The goal... Oh, 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 that's right. So how are we going to network? So moving out of Marco Polo, I mean, consider this like a team meeting right now. Um, The goal is to move into Discord primarily. 
Okay, so we're going to create a Discord channel. If you're not familiar with Discord, it's kind of like your own private Facebook that you got to run, sort of. But it's behind a, a, like a login wall, and there's a bunch of other stuff you can do. I'm not as familiar with it. It's huge in gaming communities, especially gaming communities that follow developers. So if you are really into a game, and there's a guy who makes stuff for that game that's not made by the company that makes the game, and you want to follow all his stuff, and even if he jumps games, you like it when he does the code and you want to follow it. Discord's like a community hub for that. So we're going to build one. We're going to build a mad Christian Discord. And uh, we're going to try to make it so it functions not only as our back, what do you call it, our behind the scenes, uh, backside operations, but then that operations will also be where you as community can hang out when you're online. You don't have to go onto Facebook. You can log into Discord and there'll be mad Christians sitting there chatting with each other. I may not be there, but I'll pop in from time to time. And it'll allow me also to do things like drop videos that you can see that don't have to be national videos. They don't have to be entertainment videos. If I put it on this channel, I kind of got to think about it. If I put it in a Discord, I can just talk to you a little bit. And so it allows us as an organization to become very... Very, very unique, let's just say. We're not an organization. We're a movement. Yeah, we're a movement. We're a direction, and the direction is toward resurrection. <laughs> yeah? The resurrection direction is where we're moving. That's a little too cheesy to try to say too many times. So do I want to have us get together and publish a Christian fiction? Yes. 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 I know there's a new super chat on the bottom, but I'm still looking for mom monsters that I may have missed. I feel really sad because she's always helping. She's always here. She hangs out. But... We're going to have to catch that one next week. We got a, oh, Roger Perez says, Roger Perez. He doesn't say that. It just says it from him. Thank you, Roger. For that. I like the, it's like a, it's like a purple phoenix. Like your image is really cool. There's an eagle. That's really cool. I like that. It'd be a sweet tattoo. If you're into that kind of thing. Um, I'm reading your comments on the side. Uh, just trying to figure out did mom monster put the question in conan's question there it is right and i got that so we got that we're good all right wow what is it 10 45 my day now will involve church services from 4 to 4 45 um i might have the opportunity to go shoot some pistoles um uh, with Reverend James May, which would be awesome if it happens, but it kind of depends on what else I got to do between now and four. Seems like it's hot out. It's been real beautiful here recently, uh, like fall weather, but it seems like summer's coming back in here. So that's my day. Tomorrow's going to be church, like church has been, which is uh, private services, many services, and then one big service, which isn't as big as it could be, but it is what it is. And uh, and then we get into Mad Mondays and try to get all that out. So you know, from from Friday evening through Monday afternoon, uh, yours truly doesn't really relax. Weekend doesn't exist. That's okay, um, because what I find again, this is this comes out of this kind of thinking here. So one of the the, the things that David Allen says in making all the work is that the distinction between work and life is a lie. That's a really interesting proposition. That work is life, and life is work. And if you're trying to get out of work, you're trying to die. You don't like life. Now, granted, there's work that hurts, and you don't like it for that reason. It, it's because the sweat of your brow is part of the curse and all that. But part of the problem in modern civilization is that we've distinguished between home and work. We've distinguished between work and life. We bring our work home and just work at home and don't have a home. That's not what I'm saying. Instead, what I'm saying is you're always working even when you're at home with your home. And you're always at a home even when you're at work. So it's a false distinction. The question is, what's your habitat and how do you act in all habitats? How do you maintain all habitats? 
you need to be able to write down that you have to go to the doctor while you're at work if you get a call from the doctor, right? I mean, as best you can, right? So it's, it's not like you can segregate every instant of every day into work or not work. Instead, it's all work. But if that's true and God made it that way, that means it's all good, even though it's all cursed and painful, which means that as a Christian, there is the potential to at least for a moment, not mind it so much, at least for a moment, just sit and remember he's risen. And no matter how bad it is, even if it got worse, you know it's going to get better. And that's a very positive feeling, isn't it? This is a little bit out of stoicism here. Stoics are pretty clever guys. Uh, so did you know that wanting to be happy is a sad feeling? It's a fun one. Try it. Just, just want to be happy. And then what does that feel like? Oh, crud, it's sad. <laughs> okay, now, now admit that you're sad. Right? It's, kind of a, it's kind of a good feeling. <laughs> Isn't that weird? It's completely backwards. It's stoicism. Um, the subtle art of not giving a, you can fill in the blanks or just put that into Amazon. You can find it. It's a good book on this. And in that then, he is risen and is coming again is an acknowledgement of the negativity of the present, which is itself a positive thought. I need to get better. I'm not doing enough for God. Oh, that'd be a negative thought, wouldn't it? So it's not about law and gospel quite, but it kind of is. Like, what are you standing on? We have a sure foundation, the refuge for the lost, the rock of our foundation, the rock of our salvation, the name in which we boast, right? It shouldn't make you afraid. And if you are, it's your fault and he forgives you. <laughs> and he tells you, you're not going to be afraid for long. You're not going to be afraid for long. You're paid for. You won't be long now. You can't die. Oh, I'm going to leave you with this one. I've been pondering this one and wondering when I would get a chance to like ride on it or something. I don't know if I ever will. It's kind of fun though. If if you've... Uh, raise your hand. <laughs> if you've ever watched uh, Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Speaking of wrestling with dark heroes and finding some good ones, it's it's a really great series. Honestly, it's one of the best TV series shows I've ever watched. I can't speak from the most recent season uh, or two, but it, it really is phenomenal. There's a moment in, I think it's season five, which my wife and I, back when we watched TV, which we just don't have time for anymore, we, we watched the show together quite a bit. In season five, there's two characters, uh, Fritz and Fitzsimmons, and they're in love with each other and you've known this for a long time. And they're they're kind of nerds and they're super smart, whatever. Um, they're just humans. Uh, they're not like supernatural or anything. But they figure out, and I can't remember how this happens. It's based on some time travel thing. She figures out she can't die if the future is the future. Like unless they can change the future, she can't die until she does stuff in the future because they know the future. And so to, as a result of this, they have to learn something that they don't know how to learn. We have to convince somebody of something somehow and get some information. And she figures out that if she can risk her life, she's guaranteed to find the answer. She's, she's absolutely like, because, you know, since I can't die and one of these two cups is poison, I can't drink the poison cup and we need to know the one that's right so we can do what we got to do. It's not quite like that, but that's sort of how it gets set up. And she drinks it and she doesn't die. And it, there's, there's more to the story. But the point is they figured out, she figured out I can't die. And from that point on, both her and this other guy who can't die, suddenly they're willing to go into gunfights. You know, they're doing all this stuff because you know what? Honestly, we can't die. That's Christianity. Like it is. 
And yet your body can have the spirit removed from it. You're never going to notice. People around you will notice. So don't try to have it happen on purpose. (laughs) You're never going to notice. It's just going to get better. And there's this thing too then, right? Like you could, God God knows the day of your death. He's going to take you anytime he wants to. So if he's going to take you today, he's going to take you today. The day you die is the day you die. So what are the odds you die today? Add them up. Do it. Stop wondering about when God's going to take you. Add up the odds you're going to die today. What are the odds I die today? I'd say it's it's less than 99 to 1, right? I mean, it's, it's just, it's really big. There's car accidents I could put into this, right? There's a certain percentage of car accidents that will happen in a certain area. There's a certain number of heart attacks that will happen in a certain area. So there's a percentage chance I die today. But it's not. I mean, my, my age, you know, if, I'm, if, I'm, if I don't go anywhere, you know, it's pretty limited. Okay. So low percentage chance of death in America on a daily basis. You don't walk outside and actually think you're going to die. And granted, COVID has been weird. But again, we'll leave that where it is. So. Since you as a Christian know that it's both physically unlikely for you to die today by all human principle and that you can't die by theological promise, so you won't even notice when it happens, that means technically you could be able to just walk into a, a armed fight as a soldier and not care because you can't die because you actually believe you can't die. Like, I'm not, I'm not saying like go in and think that your body won't get shot, right? Your body's going to get shot, but you can't die. <laughs> like, and your body's you, and, but you're going to get it back. Like, I think that wrapping our minds around that would change the way we talk to people. You know, I can't die. You know, the COVID, COVID, I get COVID, I'm coughing, <clears throat> but don't worry, I'm not going to die. Just bury my body. I'll be back. <laughs> right? Like, that mentality, where has it been? Why aren't we shouting that? It doesn't mean we didn't shut down or it doesn't mean we, don't, we know we don't lose mass, but it's a completely different attitude with which to challenge the question. You want to stick around for a couple of years in Western civilization? A couple hundred years? Western civilization? We got to believe what we believe or no one's going to care. He is risen. You are paid for. You can't die now. He won't be long anyway. Tell me that ain't good. Oh my goodness. You are my friends. I love you all. And I'm going to uh, beg out here as much as I want to keep talking. I'm very excited about so many things. I dropped a lot of stuff, including a bombshell about a book I didn't mean to drop. So stay tuned for Mad Mondays. Sign up for that. Um, we're, I'm, I'm hoping we're about two weeks away from the PDF, free PDF uh, initial launch version of that. Um, it is... Uh, it's going to be around 120, 130 pages, so you should be able to read it in an afternoon. It is called Talk Them Into It, How to Tell the Truth, or, or the Truth About Talk, mm, the Truth About Converting People to Christianity, something like that. Uh, I'll get the subtitle worked out by the time it comes out, but I, I, I am bending all of my resources toward getting this into your hands as soon as possible, and every other project I'm on is on kind of like half pause, keep it going, stir it a little bit, but we're going to get this book in your hands as soon as possible for free. So sign up to Mad Mondays. Sign up to Mad Mondays. It will it will make you more confident talking to your friends and neighbors about Jesus Christ, his resurrection, his return, all these things, and we need a good dose of that right now. So that we stop mallowing. <laughs> we marshmallow in the muck so that we stop wallowing in the muck. For those who have no hope and lift up our heads as we see the day approaching. <laughs> approaching. It almost was an awesome conclusion. That's how you know I'm not a professional. We'll try it again. 
so that you do not wallow in the muck with those who have no hope, but lift up your eyes and all the more confident, immortal, owned, eyes lifted as you see the day approaching. Yeah, yeah, a little better. Rock on. Was that worth a dollar? Click the Patreon link in the show notes to sign up. Pretty please? (laughs) 